0: well hey guys we are uh, this is episode 12 of the readers on the wall super excited so yeah today we're going to be discussing the next three chapters that we read in a game of thrones um but to start us off since today is the emmys i know we kind of talked about it in the facebook group but i just wanted us to kind of go through and just give our predictions on who's going to win um just just the four main categories um okay so Guys, do you think Kit Harrington will win lead actor?
1: Do I want him to? I, yes. Is <laughs>
2: <he>? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think that he will be kind of the, like, that'll kind of be the dark horse category. I think we'll, he won't win, but I mean, he did such a great job with the material he was given. Bravo, Kit. <laughs> we are proud of you. And we're we are proud you. of you. That's right. Yeah.
0: I would say if this was like an Emmy for the entire show, I think he would have a pretty good chance. Sure, but sure. just based on season eight, I don't, I, I don't think he'll win. Unfortunately, I love the guy yeah. though. He seems like a, he seems like a guy you just want to hang out with. You know, I
2: know. I know. And yeah. he was looking extra handsome tonight. Very dapper. Yes, he, he looked great. Mm, yeah,
0: what a guy. All right, um, what a guy. Okay, <laughs> will Amelia will Amelia Clark win lead actress?
2: I think she will. I think she will. Because I, this was, yeah. yeah, this is one of her best seasons for, like, mm-hmm. bringing it. Because she was somebody that we literally saw um, improve through the seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, she was kind of questionable for a couple of seasons there on how serious of an actor she was, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. where are my dragons? Like, that's really yeah, no. great. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that great at my nerves. I can't handle oh it. My she she was the one i would say most improved throughout the series and i mean she killed it in season 8 so even mm-hmm. though it's well known i'm not a big fan of season 8 she killed it and i'm like give her her props
0: yeah give no no a. i agree i th- I, th- I think she has a quite a high chance to win and um i hope so yeah. I think so too. I I think she's got a high chance to win. Plus, she deserves it. She and works hard. yes, yeah, she does. She's she's also a person who seems very nice, and I'd like to hang out with.
2: She does. <laughs> I Have I, you guys seen adorable. the commercials
1: for her new movie?
0: I don't no. know what it's
1: called, but she's in like this movie, and like her life is going terribly. But her job is she oh. sings in like a Christmas shop.
0: Yeah. And yes. It's like yes. A I- love
1: story, of course. But I want to see it. It looks good.
0: I don't know, it's one, like one of those something
1: she
2: would do. Like, really? Yeah, right?
0: It, it seems very her and very like, oh, this is just, she's so happy all the time. With well, cute at cute eyebrows. Later on. Yeah, oh my gosh.
2: I love her, her. No, her
0: eyebrows need to win an Emmy just all right. by themselves. Right. They're so good. That
2: should be a category. Like, I'm all about eyebrows, so that should be a category. Of, I'm just yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just so saying. now here comes the big ones because um, there was no other uh, nominees for lead actor or lead, or lead actress. Um, okay, so supporting, um, let's go with actor. So I believe the nominees were Alfie Allen, uh, Nikolai, and, or Nikolaj, or however you say his Nicolai. name. Nikolai. No, it was yeah. Nikolai. And who's, oh, oh and uh, Peter Dinklage. I think those are the three that are nominated.
2: Yeah, I think so. So yeah. everyone knows, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone knows I'm a huge Peter Dinklage fan. Like I have a massive crush on him that is real. <laughs> I yeah. love, love the Tyrion's my favorite character, but I'm gonna give this um, Emmy to Alfie Allen for his portrayal of Theon Greyjoy, yep. not only because I feel like he deserves it for his entire role on Game of Thrones. But season eight, he was amazing. And I think this would be his first Emmy. So I like seeing kind of like an underdog come through. So oh, yeah. I would love to see Alfie get it for sure.
0: Yeah. no, I, I think yeah. that's kind of the general consensus is most people want Alfie Allen to win. The only negative someone brought up to me that I realized was he was only in the first three episodes of the entire season. And I don't know True. if that's going yep. to be a huge factor in it or not. I think... Once again, if he should definitely win it, if it's the whole se- if he was considering the whole season, and I the think he show, should yeah. still, yeah, I think he should still win it for season eight. Right. Um, I, I think, I, I think Nikolai did an amazing job as well. I think he, he could totally win it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually, honestly, I think Peter Nikolaj is the only one that I'd be like, mm, I don't think so,
2: just with uh, as, as epic as again. he is, yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, because Tyrion's strength in that show was his monologue and his connecting to character, connecting to other characters and reading people like we're going to talk about here in a minute. (laughs) And in that in that season, it just kind of betrayed everything he was supposed to be. He didn't read people well. He only had one pretty good monologue. Like it wasn't his best season, so I I can't see it. But again, if he wins, I'm still going to be happy. Someone from Game of Thrones got it. But yep. I really hope it's healthy
0: <laughs> Me, Me too. 100 percent agree. Um okay, so Lee uh you know, supporting actress in Game of Thrones, I believe it's uh Clarice Van Houten, who plays Melisandra, um Gwendolyn Christie, who plays uh Brianne, um Maisie Williams, who plays Aria, and Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa.
2: So I think Clarice was actually nominated for a guest appearance because she was in oh, really? one episode. I think. Like, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there was just a three for supporting actress, and she was actually in a different category. Um, oh, okay. Like, that's
0: that's but, fine. But, mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I could be wrong. I only read it once today, mm-hmm. <laughs> the right. yeah, and then once like three months ago.
0: <laughs> right. No, yeah, I, I think the general consensus is, is it's kind of an Alfie Allen situation where we want I don't know, I think like most people want G- and Christie to win. Kind of like didn't she I win won. last year?
2: Mm-hmm. I think she won last I
0: year. Don't think she did.
2: Okay, okay. I saw I'm a for... lot of pictures I saw a lot of pictures of her holding Emmys, but it could have just been somebody else's Emmy from the cast.
0: Or or, or I mean they, it, do that. I think it, they do that. Oh yeah, totally. I think um let me think. Well, the, the thing is, I think this season and the last season is the only time that they had um, nominees for the lead mm-hmm. in that position because it used to be like during season one, two, and three, and four, as far as I remember, is they only gave out supporting nominations because Game of Thrones is such a big show. Yeah, there really isn't a solid lead. It's only been these last two seasons that Jon and um, Daenerys kind of took, you know, step forward and they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, these are our main people that we're really concerned about and everyone's supporting them. So... Yeah, as far as I know, I don't think she won last year. Um but out of out of those choices, I would still pick her. I think she did an incredible job. I think she had two of the most amazing moving scenes in season eight. And Mm um I don't know, like Maisie did fine. I, I think she deserves an award for all the work she's done. Um Sophie Turner, I would say she deserves one, but not for this season personally. Yep. So I, I'm hoping mean. I'm hoping it's Gwendolyn personally.
2: Yeah. Why can't we give them I all I, awards? I, I will. Right. I know. I think okay, I kind of agree. Where I, initially I had said Sophie Turner just because I'm a huge Sophie Turner fan in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love her. I love her and amazing together. I love her. I love her and Joe Jonas. I do. I'm a fan girl for Joe Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But, uh, <laughs> um, well. The- it uh, also, you're... I feel like I wish I wish she could have won one for season six. I feel like that was her like pinnacle, yeah. but uh-huh. um. So I, I initially picked um Sophie Turner, but after you guys brought out some points about Gwendolyn Christie had the two best scenes of that whole season probably. Yeah. So I'm gonna change my guess and my hope for Gwendolyn because uh-huh. who doesn't love Brienne of Charts? She's amazing.
0: She is pretty amazing. Uh, I'm just going to admit something to you guys so that we are on the level and that you guys can still trust (laughs) me, but I am a huge Sophie Turner hater. (laughs) Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I I think (laughs) she did a great job as Sansa. I can't really imagine anyone else being Sansa, but, um, the way I put her to my wife is in season eight, I was really tired of hearing her talk. Like she was constipated the whole time. And I just couldn't, I just could I just couldn't do it at one point. So you guys can keep loving her and keep fan girling over her, but just so we, so we trust each other. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, Hey, uh, good luck to all the actors and actresses Yay! tonight at the Emmys um, we we probably won't be able to I, I don't know unless someone looks it up while we're chatting we're probably going to miss that announcement but yeah. we can celebrate afterwards so
1: I have a page that's sort of live updating but it's not like so we'll see we'll see if I can keep up
0: okay sounds yeah <laughs> no I was I was trying to do that too and I just kept hitting refresh And I was like you guys are so slow come on I know, yeah <laughs> help me out here Okay, well, hey, we are going to dive into the next chapters that we read this week, and those chapters are are chapter 42, 43, and 44, I believe, and that is going to cover Tyrion 6, um, Eddard 11, and Sansa 3, and and, what was that? Who won? Oh,
1: Peter Dinklage won. Oh, Oh. well, congratulations, Peter.
2: Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'll give one clap. (laughs) I'm not happy about that. I'll always
2: clap for Peter. Yeah, it's Peter, I guess. I'm a little bummed. And actually, I, I, I'm not a huge Peter Dinklage fan. Just Peter Dinklage, because sometimes he's a little like oh Game of Thrones never seen it you know like, like, he's, like, like he's too good to be a fan and I'm like yeah over right. yourself you're Tyrion Lannister forever That's right. it's just the
0: way things are
2: sorry uh, but anyway yay right. for them I'll, yeah
0: I'll, I'll cry in my bed later tonight <laughs> okay well hey so uh, we're gonna dive into the the, uh, the Tyrion chapter that we read and this one is pretty heavy I would say um. So, so this is Tyrion six. Um, just a quick and dirty summary of this. This is where Tyrion and Bronn have officially headed out from the Eyrie, and they're trying to make it through the mountains to get to safety. Basically, they sit down and they sell. They make a campfire. Tyrion talks to Bronn about his first marriage to a woman named Tysha and the whole thing that happens with 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 Tywin in that in that scene. And then the Mountain Clansmen kind of come upon them and and Tyrion does his little, I'll give you a ton of money to not kill me and it works. <laughs> so um, what, what do you guys think about this chapter? Like what's your first initial hits? <sighs>
1: I liked it. I like anything Braun and Tyrion I think. They're just a match made in heaven to me. So <laughs> even though they're kinda of testy with each other in this chapter, I still like them together.
0: <laughs> no, I, I agree. Yeah. Like I feel like we got like a little taste of their relationship in the past couple chapters, but this was like, All right, let's settle this, let's figure out their relationship to each other. And yeah, yeah you you kinda of get that bro that kind of bro feeling from mm-hmm. them too. Yeah,
2: they're finally like taking their show on the road.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. The
2: they're like leaving the ladies behind, and they're like ready hit the road. <laughs> yeah, pretty
0: much. No, no, yeah. This is where the Tyrion Braun sitcom introduction starts. Yes. You know, yeah.
2: Tyrion and Braun
0: or something like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice jingle.
0: <laughs> boys on the road. I don't know something yeah, know. something something way clever, more clever than that. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I do enjoy this chapter. It's definitely really heavy. Uh, once once we hear the story about Taisha and Tyrion, but we'll get to that as it yeah. comes up. So um, start of the chapter, um, Tyrion's... I I don't know, I, I like how real this moment is that Tyrion, he's going around, he's gathering all this firewood and he's all like, hey, like, does this stick work? Like, <laughs> can I use this stick to start a fire? And Bronn's like... Yeah, you can use that stick, and he's like, "Oh well, Moric always made my fires for me, so I don't know." (laughs) And and then um, and Bronn's just like, "Dude, like, what the hell are you doing? We can't be starting a fire out here. Like, that's just gonna bring the Mountain Clansmen down on us, and they're gonna kill us right away." And Tyrion's like, "All right, well, what do you suppose we do?" And Bronn says, "All right, we're just gonna." Oh no, go. I was gonna
2: say, on that note, I kind of have a question. Do you think that? Being the the thinker, the smart guy, the strategic person in this story, do mm-hmm. you think without telling Braun that he was to tr- strategically thinking like I'll go ahead and lure the clansmen to us because I would rather anticipate it than have them sneak up on us like it's inevitable like we're going to have a run in with these clansmen mm-hmm. like we are in their territory. Like Lysa made it known that it would be our doom. It wouldn't surprise me if she like sent a writer ahead to tell them anyway. So I would rather lure them to us and anticipate. (laughs) You think there's a chance that was kinda his motive behind this? Like bring a fire. I'm fresh. Let's talk.
0: Well, you know, I agree. I think that was his intention, his thought I think the the thoughts you had, you know. We're gonna run into them anyways. If we run into them while we're trying to run away from them, they're they're just gonna straight up try and kill right. us. Right. And there's not gonna be that moment to like chat about it. So I right. think him setting up the fire at night, and as we as we know what happens in the chapter, like the mountain clansmen are kind of like super suspicious of this. They're just like, mm-hmm. okay, like why would anyone set a fire up here? Like they know we're right, going to come right. get them if they do that. And I think, say, so yeah, I, I think it was well planned out. I think he, yeah. I think he thought yeah. about and, it. And
2: like he learned with, um, in his Sky Cell experience, like his only chance when he's in a bad spot is to talk his way out of it. Mm-hmm. So he had to, he had to set up a situation to where it was favorable for him to where he could talk his way out of it. Cause like you said, if they caught him off guard and they were running from them or trying to be on the defense, they wouldn't get a word in edgewise. So I think he lit that fire to just be like, bring on, bring on the mountain then. let's just figure this out. Yep. If we <laughs> die, we die. If we don't, we don't. But let's get it over with.
0: Well, West, I, oh no, go ahead, go, go I was ahead, just going to
1: say, I also think, too, like, in theory, Bronn's plan <clears throat> is a good one, but given the circumstances, Tyrion's plan of, you know, not just only kind of giving them a little bit of a confusion, like, why are they out here in the middle of nowhere lighting a fire and everything, you might as well <clears throat> if you know they're going to come after you, you might as well build a fire, you might as well eat, and make sure that you're as strong as possible, right. just in case.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, well, I also like how Tyrion kind of puts it, he's like, look, cause I, I believe he actually says something along the lines of, like, they're going to find us anyway, we might as well be comfortable, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, he's right. like, no, let's build a fire. Let's get some food. Like, I don't want to have to talk to these guys and try and survive on an empty stomach here, dude. Let's, come on, I let's I got make some goat. Let's eat. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so so they do have that conversation, trying to figure out their plan. Um, within that plan, we learn that uh, Bron actually killed the other sword that came along with him named Chiggin. Yeah. Um, Chiggin yeah. was in, in, injured during one of the battles and uh, Bron in, ended up killing him to basically shut him up from bringing the Klansmen onto him. And I think that's just a nice little window into who Braun is. You know, he, he doesn't have a ton of mercy. He's he's gonna he's he's kind I'm gonna do this because that's what needs to be done so that we can yep. survive. Mm-hmm. Which probably is just a general attitude among cell swords, you know? Like
2: <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, gonna I, look out for number one.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um let's see. And then we kinda then we get this then we get the um the discussion between them where Bronn's like, hey, like, how did you know? Like, like basic, basically, Bron's like, hey, how did you know I was going to volunteer to, like, save you? Like, like, I felt like you planned this whole thing out. And, you know, how did you know that? Yeah. And Tyrion, Tyrion starts to explain to him, like, he's basically like, look, you know, th- this, is, this is what I like about the relationship. Basically, Tyrion is like, well, you're kind of scum. <laughs> and,
2: yes.
0: and I'm super rich. You're a sellsword. And yeah. I just knew you'd do it for the money. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I got the money. I knew you'd want it. So exactly.
0: I, I don't I just like magnet. how, I just like how Tyrion isn't like, Hey buddy, like let's be tight. You know, I knew you'd do it. Cause we're friends. Like we had a great chat on the way up here. He's just very like, no, you're scum. You're, you're a low born person. And I just knew, I knew you'd do it for the money. Cause well, especially he, he goes down to discuss, basically tell them like, Oh yeah. Like Catelyn, like, if you got into service with her, she maybe would find a coin or two, like give it to you at the end. And she'd be really, she'd have a bad taste in her mouth about it. And when I read that, I was like, that is exactly what Catelyn would do. Mm, Right. Yep. I was like, I
2: have to, but not because I'm truly appreciative of your services. Or I feel like lavishing, you know, riches upon you. Like, I just, I know that I have to. And like, Obviously, you'd rather asso- if you're just in it for the money, you'd rather associate with somebody who likes to show off their wealth.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So, kind of have that frank, dis- frank discussion with him. And I would also say, um, I don't know. I wonder. I, I wonder if Bron like kind of appreciated that honesty. I don't know if he was like uh, offended by that, or if he was just like, "All right, cool. We don't have to do this whole fluff thing." Right. Right. Where we I pretend to be friends. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I like that, uh, because uh, in comparison, like, you have, like, Littlefinger, who would just be like, oh, this was all part of my master plan from day one when I saw you. You know what I mean? Tyrion was just like, I knew who you were, and I kind of won it, and it worked for me, you know?
0: (laughs) Right. Pretty much. And, uh, yeah, I I think the moment that Bronn kind of, like, accepted this was uh, Tyrion's, like, trying to start a fire. And he's like, hey, you got Flint, and Bron throws it at him, and he can't do it. And Bron's like, Oh my gosh, okay, just let me do it. <laughs> I think that was I think that was kind of the moment he's like, All right, I'm with this guy, we're gonna get through this together, and I'm gonna make some money out of this.
2: And I know that the show really played up Braun's character much more than the book does. Like mm-hmm. he becomes much more likable and a fan favorite in the show. But I think especially since seeing the show, I can read the text and it kind of feels like they're saying all this stuff about like, Hey, we're not friends. Let's just be clear. You're in it for the money. I'm in it for the protection. I have money. We're cool. Right. But it's like their man way of saying, like, we don't need to say we're friends. We're friends, right? Like like, we would never say it, but like we're BFs. For sure, right? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> but all, kind of all good, it right? Out, but
0: <laughs> Pretty much, and then um, and kind of sprinkled throughout that, there's a few other little things. Um, uh, Bron Bron ends up saying something along the lines of like, "Hey Tyrion, you need to be careful what you say because someday somebody's gonna cut that tongue out of yours." And. And of course, and Tyrion's just like, oh, people tell me that all the time. And um, there's <laughs> that, there's there's actually a ton. There's a lot of hints throughout the books, and this is one of the first ones to that actually being an event that could occur to Tyrion. Yeah.
1: That eventually I see that happening.
0: Right. Well. Well, I think it sort of follows a pattern that the Lannister children are going through. You get Jaime who loses his hand, which is something you know that's his what he uses to be good at being a swordsman. Mm-hmm. And, and it he totally changes. the hand of the king. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then you get Cersei who loses her children. The one thing she loves and cares about yep. that she's protecting. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that's just another slight hint towards Tyrion losing right. his tongue, which is his greatest well, tool that he's ever had.
2: And I will say there was, I, I would say there's two or three things that happened in these three chapters that reminded me that we don't know what's going to happen at the end of these books. Like, just because we've seen a show, we don't know how these books are going to end. And it made me, like, super excited. Like, George, you better come through, buddy, (laughs) because I'm excited to read these last two books, because we don't know how they're going to end. Because truly, with all of the stuff that's in these books that never made it into the show, he has so many opportunities to do literally whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. And that little thing about the tongue, like... In the books, for all we know, Tyrion Lannister could have no tongue at the end of the show. Right. Or, sorry, the books, the books. Mm-hmm. So it, there's there's just a few things that happened in these chapters that made me go, you know what, girl? You've got so much to live for. you got two books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It might not
2: be anything like the show.
0: <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, so Yeah, I actually listened to a podcast actually this week where um, two really big members in the fire, song of ice and fire community. They basically went through all of season. I think it was up to season seven. Cause season eight wasn't out yet when they did it. They basically like, okay, how much, how much, what the things that happened in this show is that going to happen in the books. And they went through a list of like 40 different things and probably about half of them, they're like, no, there's no way that's going to happen. It, did, there's, it just doesn't lead to that. <laughs> and then there was a handful of stuff, they're like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. There were some maybes yeah. in there. It was just really interesting to listen to people who are so well versed in everything just go, go through a point by point. It was, it was really, really cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, send yeah, I, I will. I, I will definitely send you good. guys the link. Um, let's see. Um, so we did that. Another thing that, kind of pricked my my ear was um when Tyrion's asking Bronn like hey what do you want like I'll get you what you want for you to protect me and get me safely out of here and he offers him gold and land and a castle and like like he offers him this list of things and I and I was kind of realizing like okay like gold is probably like the standard thing he would get for or Bronn would get for his services but when it comes to but when it comes to land, that's actually a pretty big deal. That actually, right? That that, that actually raises your status as to who you are mm-hmm. in Westeros. Right. So I wonder. I, I'm curious if that was a big motivating factor to Bronn. He's like, hey, like this could be way bigger than I'm right. than I'm right. used to it being.
2: Yeah. He could find a lot of employers that would give him gold, but not a lot of employers have the influence to actually give him land, which would equal titles and status, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Most definitely. So, um, so th- after that whole conversation, they um, Bron goes out hunting. Tyrion takes care of the horses and things like that. They sit down, they're eating. And um, in between this and the Taisha story, um, uh, Tyrion kind of has a little recollection about Mord. And how um, he he kept his promise. He left all the gold with Mord. He kept all the silver with him, him of course, because that's <laughs> what he promised him. He promised him the gold. And I think it's, this is just another, this is just a little reminder that Tyrion uses his wealth very often to get what he wants. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I was trying to figure out, like, okay, like, why does he just automatically go to that? Like, is there any, does he have any other trick up his sleeve? Is there, like, if all of a sudden he was poor and didn't have any money, could he get out of any situation? Is gold his only answer? And I don't know. My, my, my only thought was the reason he goes back to it is because it works. Like,
2: yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he realizes that he has two weapons, his money and his words, his wit, Mm -hmm. his mind, his mind combined with his words. And, And he uses the words when he needs to, but obviously the money and the gold and the the status is way easier. Like that's the lazier way out. And so when it comes to like like Braun doesn't give a crap what he says or you know how he twists something or spends it. Braun wants cash. So with Braun like that, I think he just knows how to read a crowd. And like as we'll see coming up with the Klansmen, he knows it's it's a little bit of both, but he needs words more than anything. Like yeah. anybody could be like, I have money. But he obviously has a l like a very high social IQ and knows people. And so <laughs> I think if he lost everything, he would still be able to scrap his way back out to the top. Because he realizes he realized in that sky cell, especially that his words and his mind and his wit were a weapon that he could use towards his advantage.
0: Here's sorry, one second. Okay all right uh, yeah no no uh, great great thoughts there um, so so we get that recollection reward, and then we, and then we get into the story of Taisha who is Tyrion's uh, first wife and just want to say I really I actually like the way Grimm actually lays out this story mainly because of the fact of so so well like, here I'll, I'll start I'll start telling how it all went down then I'll kind of explain what I'm, what I'm talking about here so uh, the story goes that Jamie and Tyrion are basically out out riding. I think they were I think they are around Castle Rock. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm, where yeah. they were located. Mm-hmm. Um, they come across a woman running running out of a house with two men chasing her. Jamie basically basically chases after the men to I don't know to apprehend them. Tyrion stays behind and comforts, comforts the woman finds out her name is Taisha. She's um, she's a lowborn gal. And, and then he kind of goes into some details and Tyrion's just like, I can't even remember. It's not really that important. Um, Jamie comes back and is like, I'm going to go back to the castle. I'm going to get more men and we're going to find these dudes. And then uh, Tyrion heads off to an inn nearby. They sit down, they eat a ton of food and they start getting, you know, romantic with each other. They end up sleeping, sleeping together and this is kind of the moment that i like actually was um then Tyrion tells him like and then we got married i found a drunken sept i paid him a (laughs) bunch of gold and he married us and the thing i like about the thing i like about the structure of this is at the very beginning it's like okay this is kind of like a story something that happened in this past and then it's like oh like Tyrion got married like he's married to somebody but throughout this whole book we haven't heard any mention of her like, like we didn't know Tyrion was married at all until this mm-hmm. very moment. So, now kind of, yeah. it's kind of churning in our head. Where we're like, okay, something something happened. You right. know, we know he's not married now, so, like, what happened into it? And we're starting to get kind of suspicious of it. I also like, by the way, I also like Bronn's reaction to, to this. He's, Tyrion's like, yeah, I was stupid and I married her. And Bronn's like, You? No way. Like
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: not the famous
1: yeah. Tyrion Lannister. Well, exactly. Well,
0: especially cuz the thing is, I'm sure Tyrion changed quite a lot from this experience and the right. Tyrion Lannister that Braun knows right now, he's like, I can't even imagine you being married to anybody. Yep. I can't really imagine mm-hmm. you even being in love with anybody.
2: Right. But the Tyrion he knows now is a direct result of this traumatic experience. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like he has built up some walls, y'all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, ba- pretty much. Um, it's
2: honestly one of the like most devastating stories of the whole story. I, I feel like like it's crushing. It's- yeah.
0: It's definitely up there.
2: Yeah, if you don't watch yourself, you you catch yourself developing mad respect for Tywin because you're like, yeah, he's cold and he's cruel, but he's you know he's so smart and cunning and calculating, and you know he's just looking out for his family. Like I don't know about you guys, but I catch myself kind of being like, Tywin is so cool, and then you realize, really? no, he's bad. He's a he's bad, a bad guy. He's mean, mean, mean. Yeah.
0: Me, me, me. yeah <laughs> well, well, what's what's also interesting about it is the fact that. George r R. martin put this well here let me finish the story and then i'll let me explain my thought there so (laughs) so so basically um tywin figures out that tywin got married or Tyrion got married to this lowborn girl jamie then comes forth and confesses that hey she was just a whore that i hired i just felt like you hit this point in your life that you needed to sleep with a woman she isn't she doesn't actually love you we paid her to do this whole thing which which i'm sure crushed Crushed uh, Tyrion yeah, that, pretty that, that immensely right there.
1: in itself, and then yeah, oh. so like
0: that blows really rough. And then Tywin brings in Taisha to his to the guards in his in his household, and they basically rape her. They pay her a silver coin for every man who who has sex with her. And I don't know, this is just really raw. Especially the the line that talks about the silver in her hand was spilling out of her finger between her fingers. Yeah, how many hours all the men. do
2: you think? it's just i mean i don't even even want to know
0: know? just like even talking about it right now is just like uh, i just have this yucky feeling in me and then um and then tywin goes up to Tyrion basically and is like here you're gonna pay her a gold coin because you're better than than everyone else and Tyrion goes in and and rapes her as well which is which is just i just can't even fathom that moment at all Just of how terrible it is, especially for, I don't know, like, like we were, we don't have the full story. We don't know all the details, but like, I just can't imagine Tyrion, like just being like, okay, I guess I'll do this.
2: I mean, he must've felt like his life was at stake. Yeah,
0: I hope so. man, yeah, it's, it's just really tough. So, um, so that happens. And, um, oh, what was my, I had, I was going to talk about something after this (laughs) crud. I don't know, just, I don't know, the one note I have here is how effing evil is Tywin Lannister? Oh, yeah.
2: I know, yeah. I thought yep. that too, because every now and then I get a little bit like, I love Tywin, I love that guy. And then I'm like, no, uh, no, well, no, well, no, you don't. <laughs> well, just the, the, the other is thing is, guy.
0: I think a big part of it is because they made him way more likable in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, True. like when he was, when, 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 it, when Tywin was on screen, we were just like, yes. Like, I want every Charles second. Charles
2: Dance. Yeah, well, Charles dance. dance. High five to that <laughs> man. That Pretty much. Guy that guy in
0: Emmy. Yeah, like, he did it so well that we enjoyed seeing him. But in these books, I think I, th- I think George R. R. Martin kind of laid these next few chapters out strategically to let us know, like, hey, we're about to meet Tywin Lannister. We've heard so much about him. We haven't seen him in the books oh. yet. Yes. But we've heard yeah. people talk about him. And I'm going to give you a little prep for you to meet this absolutely terrible piece of garbage of a human being. And 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 then I mean we'll get there, we'll talk we'll we'll talk more when we first meet him, but when we first meet him, it's you know, he's just this very serious person. He's very strategic and he, you know, I don't know he seems like a person he knows what he's doing. And I guess I don't know, to me that just amplifies being terrified of him to be honest, just because it's like he's <laughs> yeah. he's so capable of doing so many terrible things.
2: Yeah, don't mess with him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> pretty much um, yeah. but yeah but yeah just just to go back to kind of the way this chapter is laid out I just kind of I don't know it's like this roller coaster of emotions you know it's it's kind of this happy chill two guys kind of bashing it out figuring out their relationship then we, then we get this story of like oh we're gonna learn how to Tyrion fell in love with this woman, and you're like, "Oh, this is great!" And then it just takes this giant plunge down oh, to yeah. just this wretched place where you feel disgusting just reading it. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then this last ending is just kind of full of humor and <laughs> may- maybe a little tense situation because after he tells this story, the clansmen pop up and are like, "Hey, like, you guys are on our land. That's my goat." I, that's everything in your pockets is mine, and we're gonna kill you basically. Yeah, and then this is a
2: scene that they definitely did much differently in the show, mm-hmm. but I didn't mind the way they did in the show. It's a, it was a change, but it didn't bother me at all. Let's see, um, can, here,
0: can you remind me what happens exactly? I, yeah, I think the show they,
2: yeah. in the show, they do it when um, Tyrion has brought the clansmen to the Lannister armies. And he has already like set them up with their weapons and everything. And he's in the tent that night with Braun and, oh, yeah. uh, oh, 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 and... Oh, 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 yeah. What's her name? Shay? Shay. And they're Shay. playing Truth or Dare. And they're playing Truth or Dare. And that's when he tells the story of Taisha is in that tent playing Truth or Dare. So it's a completely different setting. It's several chapters down the road. But mm-hmm. I didn't mind it at all. It worked for TV.
0: So That's true. Now, I didn't mind it. I actually actually kind of like that shay was there to hear that story as well yeah. just because yeah, of her, her situation with Tyrion. Mm-hmm. it's very just like i don't know it, it's like a big warning sign to us as the watchers just to be like hey he's talking about this bad situation and he's hanging out with yeah. this whore who ends up you know screwing him over pretty dang badly later and i don't know mm-hmm. i feel like you know if that's the show yeah. just be like look out um
2: so i made some observations <laughs> before, before we move on to the clansmen Yes, Um, please do. I I title this um, Sure Signs Mm -hmm. That You Are a George RRM Protagonist. Number (laughs) (laughs) one. Number one, your mom died in childbirth. Yeah, I
0: agree. Mm -hmm. Check. (laughs) Step
2: two. Your first romantic experience was with someone outside of the norm for your social status, and it ended in tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Oh, my gosh. Following? Are you following? Are you backing? Okay.
0: This is so good. Number
2: three. You convinced a group of barbarians to follow you.
0: <laughs> that is true.
2: Also true. Okay, three for three. Are we talking about John, Danny, and Tyrion? <laughs> yeah, right? You,
0: you know what blows my mind? I, I've, just, I've talked about this before, how when you take a lot of George R.R. R. Martin's characters and boil them down to statements like you just <laughs> made, you're just like, wow, so many of these characters are exactly the, the same. same and yet they're so different
2: different settings. Yeah. Just the
0: settings are totally different, but every single one of these characters you're so interested in, like I would, I would love to read through the whole book series and just read John's words, you know, just Mm -hmm. to figure him out down to the, Bare bones, and I could I would do that, have a great time, and then I move on to Danny, and then to Tyrion, and I'd be like, okay, these characters are basically the same, but I just read three completely different stories. Right, the same. Right. And it's just it's so. And cool It's funny to me. because
2: it's it, there. They have so many similar like, like we said, like backgrounds, and also like common themes throughout their character arc, but they're they don't feel cliche and they don't feel tropey. They don't right. feel expected. Mm-hmm. They feel real. And Mm -hmm. so, like, that, again, that boils down to George's writing. Like, Mm -hmm. he could take a story that might seem a little tropey if someone else wrote it, but he's a, you know, he's a freaking genius, so. (laughs) Pretty
0: much. Pretty much. Um, Okay, so, actually, before we get to the Klansmen, Tyrion does have a dream where... um, Mm -hmm. Basically, he's the he, basically in his dream. He's he's big. He's tall. He's a big person, and he is the jailer at the Erie. And he dreams of basically beating his father while he's inside of one one of the sky cells. And I mean, I, it's one of those like I don't know. It's one of those obvious dreams to me. But it's nice to kind of get it confirmed from him that it's like okay, Tyrion hates Tywin, mm-hmm. and even though when they meet up next, they're going to have this kind of, um, I don't know, not mutual, but like, I can't think of the word, but like their relationship isn't like toxic. They're not like trying to kill each other.
2: They have like an understanding. It's like, there you go.
0: That's what it is. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Like,
0: like Mm -hmm. Tyrion understands his position with his father. He probably feels very under him in a sense, you know, like, Tywin is Tyrion's superior. And even though Tyrion is kind of snarky with him, I think he still knows his place. And this dream is kind of flip-flopping that. It's saying Tyrion wants to be above Tywin. He wants to beat him. He wants to take him out of his life. And just to, just to have that kind of confirmed through a dream of Tyrion's is kind of nice for us as readers to know like, okay, this is his relationship. This is how he views his father um so we have that dream and then the clansmen show up and i kind of went through it already but like they're basically just like hey give us all your stuff this is our land everything on this land is ours and and i don't know like what was your favorite line from Tyrion in this in this section because he had some pretty good ones um um, i
2: i I, I just love how um Like he's just definitely knows how to read people and you just have to respect it because he remembers their names. He talks to them Mm -hmm. like people like equals, you know, I mean, he's a little bit like, Oh, like, do you know who I am? I'm very important. I can help you. But he doesn't talk down to them necessarily. And Mm -hmm. like, I think that is a quality that is oftentimes overlooked in game of thrones. Um, But I just really love how he was just like anticipating their arrival and was like, listen, like, you want to take my stuff, you wanna kill me, fair. Like, this is your land, fair, fair, fair. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what if I could upgrade that? Like he's just very savvy. I just I really like it.
0: Well, oh, especially yeah. if you especially if you compare his how he communicated with the clansmen and how he communicated with Braun. With Braun, he was straight up like, you're scum, I'm above you. And with the clansmen, he's like, hey, dude, we're all the same level. Let's figure yeah. this out together. Let's be mm-hmm. chill. And I think that's just another testament to. He can adjust. He knows how to deal with different people depending on who they are. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, like, I really like the line where he's just like, he's like, really? Those are the best weapons you can come up with? Like, they're fine for killing sheep, I guess, if the sheep don't fight back. I, I thought that was a pretty dang good one.
1: Yeah,
2: my um, father Smith shit better steel. Yeah. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> that's about, yep. I, I, by the way, Madison, I did like how you brought up um, he remembers their names. Because mm-hmm. that, that one part where he's like, um, you know, he's like, hey, you know, this, this Iron Axe would be great with that guy. You know, he could take that. My horse right. would be great. You know, it would be a good replacement for this guy's horse. You know, he goes through and he names all of their names. And I was like, that's kind of, that's pretty savvy kind of, a, of him.
2: It's like a baller move, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It is a pretty I would say definitely move.
2: the best line though is obviously when he asked how Tywin son of, uh, or sorry Tyrion son of Tywin would like to die and he was like, well yeah. obviously in my own bed with a belly full of wine and a maiden's mouth around my cock at the age of 80. Yeah, like, that's, like so- <laughs> like, that's an immediate way to connect with somebody. Like, yeah. All of those guys, like, no matter how like reserved or guarded they were or suspicious or mad, all of them had to look at each other and be like true, Right. Yeah, true, like, Boom. Boom. and they're like we, you can't argue that <laughs> like, it's not the answer I expected but it's yeah. already he so caught him off guard like, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's the thing, yeah, I mean for him to say that, I'm sure it caught them off guard it gave them that second to think it gave them the moment to laugh and then they were right. like okay, alright, this well, guy's being laughter, very like, real,
2: automatically like evens the plane a little bit, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like, like humor is really good for that,
0: so he's smart 100 agree um so that so then they um they kind of like basically all right well what can you give us and Tyrion's Tyrion's like well i can give you the veil vale of Arryn. that's what i can give you and that's how the chapter ends mm-hmm. and man i feel like i feel like there's a little bit of um revenge almost in this yeah. moment he's oh, like yeah. hey one i can survive if i get these guys to you know, not kill me basically, and bring them to my to my father's army. And two, I can get back at the Vale. And I can screw but, my enemies while I'm at it. <laughs> exactly. Which, which honestly, it's one of those like, oh, like you kind of get that sweet revenge feel a little bit. But when you really think about it, I feel like you got you got uh, Lysa Aaron and all these high lords that Tyrion has a huge grudge against. But they're up in that tower, and the clansmen aren't going to get up there you know they're not going to hurt any of them directly right. they're going to be hurting all the small folk who live on the ground floor of the erie right. they're going to be messing with them which i guess which and i feel like to the high lords in the erie they're gonna be like oh this is such an inconvenience like i was gonna mm-hmm. go to i was gonna go to my rugby game or like my oh no 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 what's the feed horse
1: Liza on? more berries off of my dad yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man i really hate it. That part, if you can't tell. <laughs> I, no, I agree. That was the most, like, yeah, you read that and you just get this. Orange worthy. <laughs> exactly, pretty much. Um, well, anyway, so yeah, that's actually the end of the chapter. We we end with him saying, I will give you the veil vale of Aaron, and it cuts off. And we'll see next time we see Charon, he's gonna, he, mm-hmm. I think he's gonna be walking up to his father's army. Um, do you guys have any last thoughts you want to talk about this chapter before we move on to the next one or I think I I think I have all my notes
2: that was everything yeah. I had I mean the only thing I mentioned was that he does touch on earlier in the chapter he touched on he touches on how in his opinion self interest trumps honor like he's kind of saying like what we the Lannisters do is always going to is always going to overdo what like ned stark does because in the end like money and self-interest is going to um, trump over honor and loyalty and it just it was another thing that kind of made me go hmm. i wonder how the story is going to end in the books like i wonder if it is going to be more of the uh, lannister mentality or if it's going to be more of the stark mentality right. and there really mm-hmm. is no way to know because this is grim dark fantasy and a good guy doesn't always win in this grim right. dark subgenre so it was just a little moment where i'm like you know what like he's not wrong like the good guy doesn't always win honor mm-hmm. and loyalty doesn't always win sometimes just plain up bribery money and self-interest wins so it, it just made me kind of think hmm i wonder if he has a point i don't know
0: right it's it's tough. I mean, I mean, it goes along with this whole, you know, like breaking these tropes, breaking these fantasies that we have in our minds yeah. that heroes win and everything works out well, as long as you're true yes. and good. But it's just like, no, like, that's not how it is most of the time. Most of the time, it's mean, sleazy moves and and bribery and right. all this other crap. <laughs> like
2: yeah. Ramsey Bolton, if you think this story has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention.
0: Exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's
2: right like well, cool. I think that's foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs>
0: pretty, pretty much. Um, all right cool. well hey I guess we'll wrap up with that chapter and we're gonna move on to eddard 11. This is his 11th chapter and we need to savor every chapter that Ned oh, has. I
2: know.
0: every little bit I'm not upset. Um, yeah, no honestly it's like we have eddard 11 It's like wow, we've had 11 Ned chapters and then we get to the next Sansa and it's like oh this is Sansa three. Like we've only had right. three perspectives well, from Sansa. think about it.
2: Not only has Ned had the most chapters, but a lot of the other characters' chapters have been pretty heavily Ned centric. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. some of Sansa's chapters, some of Arya's chapters and a, a few of Catelyn's chapters have been very Ned centric. So we're getting mm-hmm. Ned's point of view. I'm not going to call it Oh, I can you see me?
0: Yep. Yeah. I can see you.
2: Huh. Okay, well, my camera just went black. But oh, well. But anyway, we're getting um, a lot of Ned's point of view, even though it's not a POV chapter. Right. We're getting his point of view, I, I would say, like 50% of this book almost.
0: So, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the only break we get from Ned most of the time is when we go across the narrow sea to visit Danny. Mm-hmm. And, and even then, he's mentioned every, yeah. like, very lightly. Yeah in so far because i think we've done three danny chapters i want no no i think i think we've done more than that but yeah but but i know in the first and second danny chapter he's mentioned and it's just kind of funny how i I don't know i I wonder if Graham was just like all right this guy's gonna die at the end i gotta get as much as i can out of him (laughs) (laughs) while i got him and he
2: has has a unique perspective that no one else has like being the hand of the king like kind of getting that political perspective
0: i agree well it also makes sense because after this book everyone gets scattered like very severely right like like basically at the end of this chapter we'll have moments where we're like wow like sansa is never going to see catalan again aria is never going to see rob again ever and you know like it blows my mind sometimes. or I'll be reading, it and I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, this is the last moment!" Like, <laughs> yep. like the like this is the last time Catalina and Ned ever see each other, and it's just really, yeah, it's it's almost, sad, like this okay?
2: book, it's almost like this book is one giant prologue.
0: <laughs> yeah, know,
2: kind of the story.
0: No, I, I, one hundred percent agree because I, I view the prologue in this book. I believe, I believe, is more like a prologue for the whole, se- whole series. With the, You mm, yeah. know, the very the prologue was when the White Walker showed up and right. Sir Raymond Royce was there. And then I, I totally view this first book as a prologue to the rest of the series because once this everything goes to hell and where we get all these split stories and it, it turns into like really what A Song of Ice, Ice and Fire really is. Right. Um, anyway, so on to Ed 11. In this chapter, Ned is actually sitting upon the Iron Throne, which is really cool. It's like, yes. all right we actually get to see Ned doing something that is very related to his calling. Yeah. And, you know, he's actually going to enact some, you know, he's going to lay, lay, lay down the law here. Um, so, so he's on the iron throne. Uh, the, the quick and dirty of it is that a town in the river, Riverlands was raided. Lots of people were killed and they're trying to identify who was the person who attacked these towns um, a couple of villagers are brought forth to be witnesses to, to it, and they basically say, "Hey, like we, there was no, there was no flags being flown, none of the armor had any markings on it, but we know that it was the mountain just because of his size. Basically, he's a very unique looking person." And <laughs> Ned basically is like, "All right, well, I'm stripping of all him of all his titles. Yo, Barrik Dondarian. Like, That's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much." And he's like, "Yo, Barrik D- on my man." Beric, why don't you grab a bunch of people? Go cut his head off, <laughs> and then, um, then the council session is ended. Um, what do you, what you guys think of the chapter? Just first, first punches. Did you like it?
1: I like the chapter. I, I definitely, I liked how throughout almost the whole thing, you kept being reminded about how uncomfortable it, the throne was. It's just like oh, yeah. it, it was. It's like a it's almost just like the general idea of the throne itself is uncomfortable. It's not supposed mm-hmm. to be a fun job. It's not supposed to be this easy right. thing. You know, it, this is the epitome of what
2: the iron throne is and ruling the seven kingdoms. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Actually this
0: is a little bit of, mm. no, sorry, I on.
2: actually did a little bit of research about the throne and um, it is said that Magor the first actually died from a wound from sitting on the throne. Oh wow! And, yes, and um, when it says that some of the blades were still sharp, like over three hundred years later, or almost—I guess you say almost three hundred years later—that um, mm-hmm. is, is to believe that many of the swords that were used to make this throne were Valyrian steel because they still held their edge. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of interesting. Um, but yeah super like that sounds like incredibly uncomfortable to sit there especially if you're already in a wild amount of pain yourself like from a broken leg (laughs) to sit there and be like oh my god I cannot get comfortable
0: (laughs) (laughs) well even um, because it mentioned uh, Ned mentions that he's sitting on the Iron Throne and he can't actually lean back because there's basically swords pointing at him into your back and I believe in 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 George R. R. Martin's new book Fire and Blood um, there's actually an image of one of the of Magor, yeah. I believe, of the sword basically stabbing through the back of his throat. Cause yeah. eh, like mm-hmm. basically the chair killed him. Yeah. And that, that's actually something I didn't want to talk about. Like, this is the chapter where we really get a description of the Iron Throne, just how huge it is, how the dangerous monstrosity. it is. Yeah, yeah. I know I, I love how he how he called it that this monstrosity. Yes. And right. I don't know. It just really emphasized to me that there's two like there's two ways this chair is such a terrible thing for people. You got one, the chair can literally kill you itself just because of how it's built, how many swords <laughs> are playing weapon. at you. Right. And it's, it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a weapon in itself, just like you said. And then it also, it, it, I don't know. It just puts this huge target on your back as, as being mm-hmm. the King, because people are seeking out this throne and whoever's sitting in that chair is you know, that's the person I have to kill or get rid of so that I can sit there myself.
2: Right. Right. And and Aegon Aegon, the OG, Aegon the first said that it shouldn't be comfortable. Like nobody who sits in that throne should get too comfortable like physically or even just like the physical uncomfort is a reminder that you should never get comfortable in your position of power Mm -hmm. and like ned was just definitely feeling that physical reminder (laughs) which is funny because mm -hmm. i believe and we can get into it in a minute that he this is the one instance where i think ned kind of did abuse his power so it's kind of funny that he was Mm. physically uncomfortable Mm. yet maybe kind of making taking some, some liberties
0: interesting interesting um you talking about it being uncomfortable i have a thought you know we never see robert sit the throne i know and i i i don't know in my mind i bet he doesn't sit on it very often because <laughs> no. if if any king that we know is that is comfortable it's robert robert is comfortable where he's at
1: wait who game of oh.
0: Thrones.
1: game of thrones one Yay! Oh, they won! They, they won, won! Great! Road.
0: The they won the drama one. Yep. Yep. Woo-hoo! I'm okay. I'm all right with that. They deserve that. I'm fine <laughs> with that. They do. <laughs> oh. Um, let's see where was I? What was I saying? Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like since we don't see Roberts at the throne, and he mentions sitting in it at a few points.
2: Yeah, look at that. There's the the throne. Okay, so in this show, they made it look like a chair. But in the books, it's literally a massive pile of blades that goes up. It's, I think it's like 16 feet high and like 30 feet wide or something. It's a monstrosity. Just <laughs> a pile of blades that's yeah, just I'm- welded together. It's not a chair.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone if you haven't seen a photo of it, any of our listeners, just type in the Iron Throne book version hit images, and you'll see kind of the Ooh. classic image that a lot yeah. of people know. Like, and it's not this thing, cute. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's absolutely... Well, what I really like about it, to be honest, like like I said, people, go look at this, because you can kind of see the vision that the guys who were making it had. They kind of, they're like, okay, we're going to make these steps, we're going to make these stairs, and it's going to look all right. And then it hits this point where literally they just threw swords on it and like yeah. the edges of it are just literally they were like we have so many swords we don't have to do with and i feel like they just chucked it on there and we're like hey giant dragon who's helping us forge this just blow some fire on that just right blow now some
2: fire yeah yeah what just fuse say, it together i'm say tired of this 59 days 59 days is that right yeah hammering yeah for 59 days
0: so yeah yeah basically two months yeah. of of forging something that's got to be just well, and also think about it. You got these blacksmiths hammering it out and it talks about how Blaring the Black Dread is the one who created the flames to forge this thing. Can you imagine like these blacksmiths are working on this thing and there's this dragon just like looming over you the whole time? <laughs> so I mean, they're, they're like,
2: <laughs> okay, Dracarys. Okay, well, another Yeah, Dracarys, Dracarys. yeah right there.
0: <laughs> Hit it there. Like if you <laughs> just... felt bad
2: for Drogon, if you felt bad for Drogon in that last episode, then
0: <laughs> pretty much. I
2: guess the episode before last, video. yeah. <laughs>
0: Man. i'm sure he got lunches Drumlord,
2: and... your cars. <laughs> yeah he got thir-
0: he got 30 minute lunches i'm sure you know have... <laughs> for dragons i'm sure they have great workman's comp Poor too. <laughs>
1: and, and we've talked Pretty about much. it before too um way back when one of the first times we were talking about um ned coming in after jamie had killed the mad king and jamie was sitting on the throne so, like, it was a point that Jamie was sitting up there. It wasn't just like, oh, that was exhausting. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. was the steps right. He wasn't just his, looking for a seat. seat. Yeah, exactly.
0: No, no, that that is a really good point because, yeah, no, like you said, True. he had to actually physically walk up there. It wasn't just a chill thing. And yeah, it's just, right. like I like I said, if you guys haven't seen it, Google it and look at it because it's 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 really cool. Like just reading through the books with that image in my mind is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And all and also along with it actually goes into my next point so so Ned's up there sitting on the throne we get the description of the throne and then he kind of like he kind of describes the area around him a little, little bit like it's this huge courtyard court basically And he's talking about how he's sitting down, the few counselors like Littlefinger, Pycelle and Varys are sitting down and everyone else is standing up. And I was like, man, you couldn't really bring a few chairs like (laughs) you think you think it would be this like audience chamber. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, come on.
2: You think it'd be like almost like a sanctuary or an auditorium or something
0: yeah it's 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 really interesting how it is set up like that i would imagine it almost like a cathedral sort like sort of like that with with seating in front of it yeah
2: yeah, and like going to court and stuff i would think there would be like like It's not too much oh, we okay? Um, yeah, no, I'm good. No, you think there'd be okay. like seating on the lower level, and then people in the upper levels would be standing. But it makes it sound like everyone, yeah. unless you brought your own lawn chair, you're there to stand.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I'll, BYO I'll, chair. I wonder, I wonder if that's a purposeful thing. Maybe it's kind of like, hey, the person on the Iron Throne shouldn't be comfortable, and neither should anyone in in the right. in the chamber also, as well. Like, you
2: don't you don't just come to be a spectator, like unless you're there to, for a reason, like. Mm-hmm. it's not just mm-hmm. an enjoyable way to spend your afternoon like you have to want <laughs> to be there and yeah i don't know i yeah i thought it was interesting too i was like so no one gets this except for the guy with the sword up his butt <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. right
0: um also <laughs> along with, along with the descriptions of the area i do like how um once again the the red keep is actually he describes the red keep for a moment or the area he's in and it talks about um let's see um, now the stone was covered with hunting tapestries after they took down the, the dragon skulls, vivid with greens and browns and blues, and yet still it seemed to Ned Stark that the only color in the hall was the red of blood. Mm. And that and mm-hmm. the description of, of the Red Keep has been been related to blood very often. Catelyn, Catelyn, that's what she said when he first sees it. This moment, I'm sure there's a couple other that I can't think of at the moment, but that is something that is used kind of consistently. This is a place where Shit happened, yeah, <laughs> and pe- yeah. people are dying. Um, okay, so so Ned's up there, and a handful of villagers from a place called the Windish Town, Cher air and the Mummers Ford. Um, they're basically lined up in front of the at the bottom of the Iron Throne, and these knights who live in the live in the in the Riverland and around River Run basically brought them before the king to to be a witness to what happened there now um so so yeah basically like all right here tell them what happened and i I don't know i i found it interesting that the one of the villagers stands up and he's like hey your grace and ned's like hey whoa like i'm not the king like i'm just the hand of the king Mm. robert's off hunting and i'm sure he said that with a lot of bitterness behind it and um and then makes that comment of like I can't believe that people don't know who Robert is. Like that, it, like people in, this, in Westeros don't even know who their yeah. king is.
2: Mm-hmm. Like you thought yeah. I was the king? Like hello, look at my face.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well the other thing is like you can't I don't know, I'm kind of with him. I mean, Robert's been the king for 14 years now. <laughs> And right. and we know and we know that he travels around. We know that he's he's gone to High Garden and to Storm's End. He's made he's done traveling before. So I don't know if like that stopped once he started drinking more often and he's just sticking around King's Landing. But I don't know. I think it also might. So there's either that area of like Robert's not doing his part as being a good king, so that people know who he is and people want to follow him, or this could also be just towards the hint of what Jorah Mormont said, where he's just like, look, the small folk don't care what right, you, right, right, what you yeah. people do while you, both. while you play. I thought play. about this,
2: too. And I yeah, think yeah. it's just a little bit of both. I think it's yep. like the, the common, everyday people, they're like, listen, I don't know what's going on with the king. I don't care. It did not affect me. Like, I'm just trying to live from day to day. Yep. But also, like, Robert is just taking the easy way out any way he can. I actually wrote some notes um, like, do you think that Ned could have rejected Robert's reinstatement? Because I feel like yeah. it kind of makes almost no sense. Because to me, this is just another example of Robert being selfish and reckless and mm-hmm. lazy and irresponsible. <laughs> because Ned has incentive and motive that has been made very clear against the Lannisters. And Like, Robert, he just leaves to avoid the Ned-Cersei confrontation that's basically inevitable at this point. He's like, listen, some shit's about to go down, and I'm going to have no part of it. And he just Mm -hmm. leaves. And he's just like, whatever I come home to, like, that's your problem, because I was gone. And he knew that by, like because Ned, when Ned met with him, when he was, you know, came out of his... You know, milk of the poppy coma or whatever. He was mm-hmm. like, Yeah, well, what about Daenerys? Well, what are we gonna do about Jamie? And Cersei's like, Hey, we're building up an army. And then he slapped her. <laughs> like <laughs> so, like, there's obvious contention going. You know, he's like, Hey, did you know about Catelyn? He's like, I sure did. Like, basically, it's Ned and Cersei going face to face and Robert being like, Whoa, guys, whoa, 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 I'm going hunting. And yeah, so I'm leaves, out of here knowing that there's basically inevitably going to be conflict. like, he was so irresponsible and reckless Mm -hmm. in this.
0: Yeah. I would say, um, in terms of, in terms of the question of like, why did Ned stay? Um, so my, my two, the, the one possible reason I think is maybe Robert put Ned in a position where he's like, you know, basically Robert starts a fire and then he walks away and says hey Ned you better put that out and Ned's right, kind of like right. okay well I can't leave because Reckless. I have to put this out mm. or else something terrible is going to happen so I think that could be it I think also mm. I, I feel like Graham is very good at letting his characters do what would they would naturally do right like, it's like, it do, like it doesn't feel like these characters are chess pieces on a board that he's just kind of moving moving right. around to do what they need to do because the story says that's what they're gonna do and maybe this was a moment that he was like okay well i need that to stay around king's landing like he has to die well, there That is
2: true Like it's not, the story is not what would Madison do or what would Harrison do. It's what would Ned would do. And Ned still thinks that Robert is in danger. He still thinks the Lannisters need to come to justice. He knows that there's still work to be done. And so he doesn't leave. But in my mind, I'm like, Ned, like he's setting you up.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So back to the summary, this is also um, where we get kind of the great line where Ned's talking about, he's like, I, so, so the the villager f- mistakes who he is, and Ned's like Ned basically gives a description of what he's wearing. He's saying, you know, I'm, I'm I was wearing I'm wearing, you know, basically, it was the colors of of black, white, and gray with the direwolf stag signal on there. And then we get that great line that you know he's wearing all the shades of truth. And I was like, that's that's good. <laughs> like
2: that is that's, excellent.
0: That's just so true right there. And I, I don't know. I feel like Ned is a person who can. I don't know. I feel like he can almost wear the, wear the colors that represent that responsibly. I don't know. I feel like Ned's got a pretty good head on his shoulders in terms of determining this is wrong, this is right, and this is the in-between that I have to figure out which side I'm going to land on.
1: But honestly, right. too, like, that can kind of be seen as like his downfall because he learned the secret and he couldn't keep his mouth shut. He couldn't bring himself to play the game. So that you could also see that as his downfall, too.
0: Well, well. Also, I was I was actually thinking about you know his fall fall to his moment where he died, and I believe it was him who said the line that mercy was is never a mistake. I feel like he said that at some point.
2: Yeah, um, I think. I I think wanted, oh did. no, no, no!
0: I think I think it had to do with Sir Barristan. I think I think it was during that argument of should we kill Daenerys?
2: Yeah, and he yeah, yeah. He, he brings yeah, up the fact it.
0: like, hey, you you let Sir Barristan live, and you know that was a moment. and Then he says that line, "Mercy was never a mistake," and I think that line basically bites him in the ass, and that's why he died because the reason he goes with Cersei we're kind of jumping ahead here but it's to give him mercy.
2: A... For mercy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's like
0: look I don't want to see your children die I'm going to give you this opportunity to leave and it was the and it was his mercy that basically got him killed because he when decided it, yeah, to it, tell her it,
2: it, we mm-hmm. talked about this you know several weeks ago when that chapter was relevant but whether or not mm-hmm. we uh, fully agree with that statement is mercy never a mistake you know and this just kind of brings it back around where it's like you know I see where he's going. It's a woman and three children, but geez, like Mm -hmm. how much carnage could have been prevented. Yes. If they had been executed, you know, (laughs) so it really, I mean, you hate to be that person who's like, kill them. But at the same time, you're like, man, you know, maybe mercy was a mistake in this
0: situation. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, but again,
0: we're oh, jumping ahead. <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry, we're on a tangent now. Well, the, the thing the thing I really like about it is there was another line in the books that I remember when I read it, I thought, that's true. That's true. I agree with this statement. I can't remember what it is at this, at this very moment. But then as I read later on, I was like, you know what? I actually don't agree with that anymore. Like, because of what happened in this book, I don't agree with it. And mm. that happens again with this line. You know, when, when, I, when I first read that, mercy is never a mistake. My thought was, that's true like hell, that yeah. is ned, hell yeah, boom. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's true i agree with that and then when, when this happens to ned where he shows mercy and ends up getting killed for it it makes us question ourselves like right. huh was that the right move and it's so oh it is so cool that's because why
2: this this yeah. the shades of truth thing makes sense mm-hmm. exactly grays are relevant Mm -hmm. It's not always black and white. The grays have to be taken into consideration Mm -hmm. when it comes to mercy and truth and like justice. Grays have to matter. It's not all black and white
0: well it was just cool because george is basically putting us through the process that he's putting mm-hmm. his characters through his characters have these fantasies and these ideas of what is right and what needs to be done and they get broken and with that statement mercy is never a mistake we get broken of that oh, yeah. because of what happens and it's just, this is why you can reread these books so many times yes. and they're so awesome <laughs> so anyways here let's get back to the summary we're like we're just at the very beginning um, <laughs> so um, so yeah so the villager stands up and kind of gives him a statement of what happened basically he ran an ale shop in I want to say it was in Wendish Town where um, these guys basically came in they started drinking, drinking you know his stores basically and they ended up burning his ale, ale shop to the ground one of i think it was the blacksmith's apprentice they started chasing him on horseback and like stabbing him with joust jousting lances which is freaking terrifying now, <laughs> and yeah. and also also my thought when i read that was i wonder i'm pretty sure ned is having flashbacks to micah was killed killed yes. while while, yep. so, while the hound was on a horseback maybe even sir hugh uh, of the veil who was killed by a jousting lance by the mountain you know i wonder if it's you know it's kind of sending him back to those moments um uh, a girl t- uh tells us that her mother was killed and then she kind of cuts off as to what happened later which we can only really imagine what terrible things occurred there yeah um then they headed up oh no no that that was in that was in share Shereer or however you pronounce it. Then they went up to Wendish Town and they basically they started raiding the areas and burning and killing livestock. And basically all the people went into kind of like the town hall, I'm assuming. Like I don't know, like their main big building and they burnt it to the ground. They burned everyone alive inside. They killed anyone who tried to escape with arrows. And it's just in general, it's pretty dang terrible what happened here.
2: Right, and this is one of those moments. I'm sorry to beat a dead horse, but you really mm -hmm. realize that like Catelyn started all of this. (laughs) Yes, by capturing Tyrion, like it really got out of hand, and like every one of these deaths and rapes and like the, the the destroying of their livelihood, like it all goes back to her making a really hasty decision that she had no right to make
0: it's it's it, yeah it, there's definitely some damning evidence in there i i would say i wouldn't lay the deaths at at her feet just because tywin was the one who ordered this and the sure. mountain the mountain are kind of big i don't know the mountain is very bad guy
2: yeah by sure. the way
0: like there's he's nothing always redeeming looking about for him. an
2: excuse to be a bad guy like yeah. he's always just waiting for an opportunity
0: Pretty much, and I don't don't know that the
2: opportunity would have been there if it hadn't been for Mm -hmm. the the order from Tywin that was domino affected by the actions of. Catlin. Yeah. So, yeah, at least I'm, just, I'm just constantly yeah. sh- SMH shaking my head <laughs> at Catlin.
0: <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. It definitely, I, like, we, like, I don't no. know, at least from, from my perspective, like like I say when we talked about the, that specific chapter, um, I think basically she sped everything up. Yes. So she definitely has a responsibility for this. Uh, I think she definitely just sped everything up really quick and was like, okay, now we need to act because stuff's going down. And I'll tell you what, Tywin. Tywin made, did a pretty bold first move, I would say, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's going after the small folk. Um, it talks about later how, I don't know. I feel like Ned's got a pretty good military mind in his brain. Cause basically they tell him, they tell him a story of what happened. And so, so they, they tell all, all the destruction that happened. And then they start trying to figure out who did this. And they're like, look, they killed the livestock and they let the crows you know, eat, eat it basically and to rot. So they're not raiding us. They're not like, you know, looking mountain for men resources. who are coming to steal. Yeah. They're not looking for resources. So they don't need that. Um, there was no marks on their armor. It was all plain armor. And just a just a note: if anyone could afford a whole second set of armor for their army, the Lannisters can do that. Because yeah. they're like, <laughs> okay, here's the nice stuff that we're going to use once we reveal everything. But here's like another whole right. set of armor, mm-hmm. which I would hate to carry around. Yeah. But and then um, mm-hmm. one of the villagers stands up and tells them like, hey, like I spent my whole life in you know in service of, of in stables. Those were war horses. They weren't plow horses. Like right. these were professional. Mm-hmm. They talk about how their weapons were steel tipped, which is another just hint towards this wasn't just some mountain man clan clans. They talk about okay, it was the mountain the mountain was definitely there, which means Taiwan sent them and Taiwan's doing this to you know, spread spread out spread out the river ones armies, which 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 happens. Like that yeah. I think Taiwan is successful mm-hmm. in doing that. Yeah. And also you know, he didn't mark them at all so that no one could blame the Lannisters for making the first strike. Right. And, and then, um, then it talks basically the Knights who brought these villagers are basically asking permission, like, Hey, can we kill these dudes? Like, can we fight against these people who we know are, uh, who are, we know are related to the Lannisters or are in service of them, but we don't want to strike back until we, you know, we have permission to do that. Basically.
2: Yeah, and that's like, okay, okay, guys. Yeah, yeah no, um, it, is,
0: it is a good move, because even, even Ned's just like, I'm so... Because it mentions that Hoster Tully, Catelyn's father, was the one who told them, like, hey, bring these people to King's Landing and get permission, basically, to do this first. And mm-hmm, Ned's yeah. just like, thank the Lord you did that, because, I mean, that would just start a firebox in King's Landing, oh, yeah. for sure. If the Lannisters are attacked by you know, by the hand of the King's wife's family, you know, like right. <laughs> it just, yeah. it, it would lead to way too many bad things.
2: I think, I feel like from here on out, he uh, gets a little bit of like, he's been so resistant to this whole title and transition, the hand of the King and all this power and like everyone respects him. And he's like, guys, like, I really didn't want this. But like from here on out, he's like, listen, you want me to be hand of the King I'm gonna be Hannah the King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's just we're, like, We're gonna do this. <laughs> if you ask me to do it, I'm gonna do it. Yep. And yeah. yeah, it's some interesting choices he makes from here on out, I
0: feel. I agree. So um, so they start debating about like, okay, was it actually the mountain? And they're basically like, look, there's no one else who looks like this guy. It's definitely him. And then we actually get a, a little note of Ned looks out in the audience and he sees people leaving. And I think he says something like, "Oh, it's the it's the mice going to nibble at the cheese, and they're basically going to go tell the queen what's happening because." Tails, like,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah pretty, pretty much, I don't know. I just kind of like that how yeah. we're having this big epic moment with Ned, but it's like, look, there's still stuff going on. There's yeah, still mm-hmm. secrets flying, and, and not, information and is he's going. He's
2: not naive to it. He's like, "All right, go tell you go tell mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I'm the hand of the king, though." <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Um let's see. Da, 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 da. So so also in this moment, um, I feel like Pycelle is is not very smart. He's basically he basically shows his colors very broadly and he's yeah. just like, Hey, like, oh, we shouldn't have to deal with this. We should definitely let the Lannisters figure this out. <laughs> send the send these men away, have them go talk to Tywin
2: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you would like that, Picel. <laughs>
0: exactly. And then we and then we get that great line where Paisel's base yeah, he's, he's he's like, go have him go talk to Tywin, who is the father of our beloved queen. And Ned's like, Thank you so much for reminding me of that. I'm afraid right. we would have right. forgotten. <laughs> it's just like
2: yeah. Lord like, yeah, <laughs> Tywin's justice. He goes, It's all the king's justice. Like, listen, who's in charge here? The king. And who's the king? Right now it's me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so that all happens, and then Ned makes the move where he's like, Look, um, I don't know, the way he words it is actually pretty, pretty. Here, I'm, let me pull it up just really quick because I think the way he words it is actually pretty important. Um, t- let's see. If if someone else finds it before I do, because I, I would like to read through it real quick. Justice. I can't find it fast enough now. Hold on. Oh, oh, here it is. Oh, okay. Um, Ned raises his voice, so it carried to the far end of the throne room. In the name of Robert of the House Baratheon, the first of his name, King of the Andals and the Roinar and the First Men, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms, blah, 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 blah. By the word of Eddard of the House Stark, his hand, I charge you, he's talking to Beric and all these men he's asked to do this, um, charge you to ride to the to the Westlands with all haste to cross the Red Fork of the Trident under the king's flag and there bring the king's justice to the false knight Gregor Clegane. This is the big part, I think. And to, uh, let's see. Oh, wait, wait. Um, the big part, and I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, try and King's Flat, bring the King's. To Gregor Kilgain, and to all those who shared in his crimes. So in the show, it's different. He actually, he, he basically strips Gregor, Gregor of all of his titles and is like, go kill him. And then he actually just full out is like, t- uh, send, a, send a bird to Tywin Lannister. He needs to get his ass into court. Right. Within mm-hmm. the next fortnight, or he'll be crowned a traitor, and and that, and that was going a bit far. I think this shows us that Ned is just a little bit smarter than he was portrayed because right. he's kind of like. I in the
2: show they had to do that so viewers wouldn't miss it. I to- right. Totally uh, agree.
0: Yeah. But totally yeah, agree.
2: I do prefer the book, but I know why they did that in the show.
0: Exactly, but here he's just kind of like, look, if we find out Tywin was behind this, he's basically declaring war on him right here, right, right. now, and i don't know i I just like the way he did it i i don't know i feel i feel like ned ned makes some dumb decisions and i said i I don't know i feel like he gets a lot of flack and people are like oh he was just this stupid guy who just basically killed himself and i'm like okay like look he had a good head on his shoulder he did some pretty good moves i would say i think this is evidence of one of them so we can't beat him up too much i
2: don't know that it was was honestly i don't know that it was a good move but I think he had some smarts and some strategy behind it. Mm-hmm. But Robert mm-hmm. dying when he did kind of ruined everything again. Yes.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I would say, like, if Robert lived, if Robert didn't die at this moment, I think we would consider this a good move. Because right. he died, I think, I think it's one of those hindsight things. Yep. You know what I mean? So but here's the, a question. Well, go ahead. The, the other, j- just to, to stay on this point, um, I feel like the other good thing he did was before he makes this declaration – um, he basically is like, look, we're going to go take out the, ha- the mountain for what he did. He's a traitor to the crown. We need to kill him. And then we get the scene where Loris is basically like, yo, I got beautiful brown curly hair and roses, roses all around me. I'll go do it. And I really like little fingers He's just like, look, the, the mountain's going to send you back, send your head back with a plum in your mouth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, go away, basically go away, little boy. And actually, I wonder if, if part of Loris's motivation to do that was because of what happened at the tourney oh. that he was, def- you know, he, he defeated the mountain and the mountain basically went after Loris and Loras had to be saved by someone else. So I want, I don't know if it's maybe it's Loris just being like, I need to prove myself now.
2: Well, and it's like, Ned calls him out. Ned's like, you can't go after him just for vengeance, but it's funny mm-hmm. because it's like Ned's motivations are obviously vengeance. <laughs> like yeah. for the reader, like maybe not in that room at that moment, But as Mm -hmm. the reader, like we know that Ned's motivations are vengeance because like, you know, typically Ned Stark is about like justice and honor and doing things by the book. But in this situation, like the mountain is sentenced to death with no trial mm-hmm. and honestly mm-hmm. only circumstantial evidence like we know it's the mountain but basically they're like yeah it was a real big guy and and the villagers are like yeah he's a real big guy And mm-hmm. like, well <laughs> to be fair i know every guy in westeros and it has to be him like he has mm-hmm. only circumstantial evidence and he's like Tool-a-diff! so yeah. it's like a very not ned thing mm-hmm. and so you yeah. kind of wonder like is the amount of pain he's in perhaps affecting his judgment because like, he's not typically a vengeance guy. He's usually a justice guy. And so you'd think he would want him brought to court and like tried in front of the King, but instead he's like, kill him. Yeah. like just I- like, it's just not very netty.
0: I wonder if it was a, he needs to see, he sees in the moment while he's got it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, like he's mm-hmm. like, look,
0: because 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 once again, we got to remember that Ned doesn't know that Robert's going to die.
2: That's true, right? Ned is
0: assuming that Robert's going to come back, take his spot, and probably Ned's going to leave after that. I, w- I wonder if that was the situation where he's like, okay, fine, I'm going to stay while Robert's hunting so that right. the kingdom can actually run while he's gone, but as soon as he comes back, I'm going to leave. We don't right. get that but in the books, good. but that's a possibility, so I wonder if, is, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, he's yeah, like, I'm going to
0: strike while the iron's hot, kind of a and thing. And I was right. going to
1: say, too, it could have been like a message to Tywin, you know, the Lannisters have had the, the leg up and basically the whole time he's been in King's Landing, especially these last few instances he's had with them. So I wonder if he was like, you know, this is going to be my message to Tywin that I-, I know what's going on and, you know, I'm not going to tolerate it anymore.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm Audi 5,000, but I'm going to set this up to my advantage before I leave. Exactly. So that yeah, he, When he... I get back to Winterfell, like all the, all the dominoes are set up, all the cards are in order. So that if we go to war, at least I've covered myself. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm ready to go.
0: Yep. Well, that's the other thing. So, you know, if, if Ned goes north without doing this, he, he basically turns into a passive part mm-hmm. of this whole decision making. He's like, okay, I'm going to, if I go home right now, I'm basically just going to sit in my keep and I'm going to wait until something right. occurs and then I will make a decision. But here he's like, okay, I can be active. I can make this decision that's going to mm-hmm. set forth something that I think is correct. So... I, don't know, I, I think it de- I, I'm more convincing myself that it was more of a strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, I have this I think power. So.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, so um, to get back to what I was saying. Um, so Loras comes forth and he's like, Hey, I'll go do it. And they're like, dude, get out of here. And then um, Ned actually, he, he calls forth Beric Dondarrion, Thoris of Myr, um a couple other guys. I can't remember their names at the moment, but and he, he basically says, look, all of you gather 20 men, I'll send you a handful of my guardsmen, which is really rough to hear because he's know, all, know, already so in a weak spot. And um, he's like, go forth and, and do this for me.
2: And, and it makes you wonder how weak he left Winterfell. Like how many men did you take with you, yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I bet you anything, someone out there on the internet spent way too much time, which is fine because these books deserve it, but kind of figured out like, okay, like right. the North can't have all these infinite men. And I I feel like I've heard Grim basically say he's like, look, I'm really bad with all these numbers and these time, you know, travel time and things like that he's like just don't stress about it it's gonna ruin the book if you do it like that (laughs) (laughs) That but i I do but i do have to agree there's a handful of moments that i'm like okay i feel like there's so many people at winterfell and they've been taking so many out because it's like they took he took like probably a good chunk for his personal guard and then rob took a huge chunk for his army and there's still people up in the north it's just like oh man
2: (laughs) um or even like how did they get from the Riverlands to King's Landing so fast with this? Inver- but then yeah. you're like, no, Yo, just stop, just stop. If you do that yeah, every those, time, yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it.
0: Pretty much. Well, which is it's funny, like Steven,
2: that- it's like se- season seven time travel <laughs> headaches all over again. I know. Don't oh, do Robert. it. Don't go down that road. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much. That's just yeah. It's a, it ends bad. <laughs> so um, so he calls for these people. He tra- he sends them out. He go. He fin- He basically finishes up court right then and there. And Varys mentions to him like, "Hey, you probably should have sent Illyn Payne. Like, that's his job. That's what his calling is." And then I think Ned also reveals kind of a smart move here. He's like, "Okay, like I sent Barric and Thoris and all these people because they don't have a tie to the Lannisters at all. Sir, so yeah. the, the House, House Payne is a bannerman to Lannister to the Lannisters. So yeah, I don't think it'd be very fair. smart to I don't think it'd be very smart to basically say, Hey, you know that guy you know that you're allies with? Yeah, go kill him.' <laughs> you okay. know." Right, right. So I think I was kind of—I right. think I was a good move on his part. Um. So that wraps up the chapter. Um. Is there anything else about this chapter you guys want to discuss before we move on?
2: My only thought was so. Varus basically gives him the idea or the advice that it would be smart to kind of go with Loris's idea on this. Um. And i it got me thinking. Like I don't feel like Varus has ever actually given him any bad advice. Like that, I can remember. Like, I don't think that Ned, okay. other than the fact that he's like, like, has this. Um, what does he have against this? Some sort of. Um, you know, he he just has something against Varys, but I can't. I don't. I can't find that he really has any reason to not trust Varys. Because I honestly feel like it would have been pretty good advice to have him send Loras and the Tyrells to do this. Because then Ned would have been making an alliance with the Tyrells, which is a massive mm-hmm. alliance. Mm-hmm. And so it I feel huge. like it was it was pretty good advice from Varys. Because I mean, maybe Loras that was his motivation, but it's not like little Loras would have gone down there by himself to do it. They would have been bringing the Tyrell army with them, like or at least, yeah, men, or least some like, of forces. It. Yeah, right. And so I'm like, I feel like that would have been a pretty smart. For the kingdom, like for Robert's throne, mm-hmm. and for Ned, that would have been a pretty smart alliance to make. And Varys was like no, over I... there encouraging it, and he's like, "No, no, no, you're the spider. Get away from me. Outer <laughs> hand. whatever."
0: What? <laughs> like, so um, so. Just digging in the back of my memory, just to answer the question of like why Ned doesn't trust him, um, one of the things that occurred when Varys—well, to remember Varys was a Targaryen loyalist. He served. Mm-hmm. He served the Mad King, and one of the I don't know, kind of the rumors, I guess you would say, is a lot of people believe that once Varys came in, came into the into the kingdom and started advising the king, that's when he started going, being a little more paranoid so mm-hmm. i wonder mm-hmm. i wonder I wonder if Ned somehow connects it to like okay, Varys was there with the mad King when my father and brother were killed, maybe Varus had, had something had to do, do yeah. with it, so maybe That's maybe true. something there um I don't know, I feel like Ned just also just doesn't i don't know I was about to say he doesn't trust people who who are spies and who scheme? But it's like, well, he trusts Littlefinger quite a lot. So I, I don't.
2: Which funny, if I'm gonna like honestly, if I'm gonna pick between Varys and Littlefinger, I'm gonna pick Varys every time. Yeah. Like, again, I'm a reader, I have a different perspective, mm-hmm. but that's just my personal opinion. But I'm like, yeah. I'm looking back Like this, I was like, oh, this wasn't actually bad advice. And then I was like, wait, has Varys ever given him bad advice? Not that I can remember. No. Yeah, oh. I think it's
1: too, I think it's the mystery of Varys, because you, I, Ned is just like a straightforward kind of person. And I right. He, right. And I just don't think he likes the mystery that surrounds Varys.
0: Well, also, uh, that also can go into, we talked about this before, of, like, Littlefinger and Varys' types of scheming. Littlefinger's very forward mm-hmm. and very, you know, he's like, this is the way it is, this is what's happening. And maybe Ned, like, somehow appreciates that. You know, he doesn't like this whole mystery and I'm not going to tell you everything. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, at least Littlefinger is telling me stuff. Yeah. While Varys is being very cryptic all the time. Yeah.
2: Littlefinger's like, listen, I am scheming. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And he's like, okay. But there's, yeah. Like, is yeah. You no, no. Me? No. I don't know. May, yeah. Maybe like,
0: maybe like Braun in the last chapter, maybe Ned appreciates straightforward. Yeah. Just being mm-hmm. the way it is. Um, the uh, the other thought I had was maybe Ned didn't want to send. L- so I, part of the reason I think he didn't want to send Loris was because of the whole vengeance justice thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is maybe it was because Loris is part of a very large house and very big one. Maybe he didn't, I don't know, maybe he didn't want to put them in that position or something. I wonder if he sent basically Barrack and all of them because they were a smaller house. It's like, okay, like, right. if, this goes, if this goes south, there's not going to be a large impact, but if it, but if it goes well, right. then the mountain will be dead and I'll have, you know, I'll right. the reward for Ned won't be as high. He won't gain as strong of allies as the Tyrells, but maybe the fallout Would be less if it goes south. I don't know. That's just my quick, my quick thought. It could
1: just be Loris's age too. I mean, it says when he was looking down at Loris, he was Rob's age. So it could just be the fact that he didn't want to send someone as green as Loris to go after (laughs) the mountain.
0: It was, it was probably the brown curly hair too. He was just right, like, dude, yes. like cut your hair and maybe
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't we'll know. Talk after you Who knows? That. Who knows?
0: Maybe maybe Ned's a little more judgmental than we think. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's Jeez. just funny that he brings up the whole like, oh, you can't go because your motives are vengeance and justice, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Ned, and your motives are vengeance and justice, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like you much. obviously mm-hmm. have some motives here too, so let's not play. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um okay cool well that's that's all my notes for this chapter does uh, brooke Mind did you, you have any last thoughts or anything
1: nope, that's all i had
0: okay cool all right we're gonna move on to the last chapter we're gonna discuss tonight and that is sansa three just a the quick and dirty of it is sansa and jane are, are chatting they're talking about loris they're talking about what else happened in court we get a really creepy little finger scene that we'll talk about um they go. They go off and they they get uh, strawberry pie from the kitchen. She wakes up, has breakfast, and Arya throws an orange at her, and she gets very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Leaves, cries herself to sleep, wakes up, and they go chat with Ned, her, their father, and he's like, "Look, we're gonna head back to Winterfell." Sansa freaks out, and and then she says the infamous line that changes everything, and they're sent to their rooms. So, um. I want to say, so, this chapter to me, I really enjoy this chapter. I, I, it's it's really annoying, because I used to not like Sansa chapters, and now I love every single one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's a big change for me, mm-hmm. but I feel like this chapter is, I feel like she's so desperately trying to hold on to her fantasy that she has been shown isn't true in her previous chapter during the tourney, because I feel like the tourney was the the moment that she realized that things aren't happy and you know covered in glitter she's like this is how it really is and i think this is the chapter where she's so desperately trying to hold on to it that she overreacts to so much because there's moments in this chapter that i'm like okay you're kind of real here but you are freaking out over here (laughs) yeah right and and we'll we'll get there when we get there but
2: yeah um... i agree um like i'm 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 a sansa fan and Mm -hmm. i I, I always believe that I think Sansa's gift is that she is intuitive. And so many people argue that with me. And I'm like, I think she's intuitive, but I also think she's wildly in denial. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and she's wildly caught up in her fantasies. And this is, I think, the chapter where we realize that she's not stupid. She's intuitive. She knows what's going on, but she is so desperately trying to grasp onto this, this idea that Mm -hmm. she had of her life and her fantasy. Mm -hmm. And we also have to remember that she is like a middle schooler. Like, think about middle schoolers. They are the worst, like-
0: (laughs) Excuse me, I was very emotionally strong during that time.
2: (laughs) I'm sure you were, Harrison, but for the rest of the population, (laughs) the literal worst. And so So we have to give her a little bit of slack because she's being terrible. Mm -hmm. Like she's terrible through a lot of this story. But, like, you have to give her a little bit of human slack. At the mm-hmm. same time, though, when you're in her POV, you know that she's not stupid. She's catching on. She's making mental notes. But it's just I, – I, I love the, Sansa, the, the character of Sansa. And um, this is a chapter where I really think we get the idea that she is – Coming to grips with reality, but still not willing to let go of her fantasy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I will say I think this is a chapter. If you read too quickly, you're just going to get go away from it, thinking, "Oh my gosh, Sansa's still being yes. a twit." Yes, yes. But I think if yes. you slow down a little bit and realize these few moments, which we'll point mm-hmm. out that it's like, okay, like she actually is thinking through this. So, um, just to start off the, the detailed summary. So Sansa and Jane they're sitting down, they're having a cold dinner. And basically, they're they're discussing the whole choice that uh, Ned made in terms of not sending Loras Tyrell to go after the mountain. And this is when you know Sansa's basically like, "It was so perfect. You had this beautiful knight, you know, with his golden, you know, his his brown curly hair and roses flying behind him, and I don't know, just all these." things and she's like she he was gonna go and slay the monster and it was gonna be beautiful and all this stuff and i kind of like how um how jane's her friend jane pool which is who becomes very important later in the books just so everyone knows um she's basically like oh but they they sent beric don instead and he's just as handsome as just as amazing and of course sansa's like Oh yeah, but he hes so <laughs> old. He's like 22. You're just like you you, you you know you know you know every 20 year old who read that is like, "You can shut up." Ooh, like, <laughs> <laughs> it just kills me. But what I really like about that is I I believe as far as I remember, Sansa actually agrees to the fact that Berrick Dondaren is handsome looking, but she's i think this goes into the fact that she's so desperate to hold on to it because she's like no it had to be sir loris it had to be my image it had to be this even though beric dondarian is a pretty person and he's just as awesome it had to be my way for it Mm -hmm. to be correct and um and in between that um we we get to we get to this kind of creepy little finger scene where um let me see basically um uh sansa and Septimordain ordain are kind of discussing the decision and sansa's kind of like oh like father was so injured that he obviously didn't know what he was doing and so on and so forth and um little finger comes up to her and is like oh okay well why would you censor loris my this you beautiful woman and you're just like oh <laughs> <laughs> and and sansa tell ends up basically like, oh, well the reason i did it was because you know the whole hero and monster thing you know he's going to be the knight who's going to slay the monster and everything will be great and then he lightly then uh he had touched her cheek his thumb lightly tracing the line of, of a cheekbone oh,
2: Don't touch gross <laughs> so gross
0: and he says uh and he, Okay, and uh, he says, uh, life is not a song, sweetling. You may learn that one day to your sorrow, which is a pretty famous line that kind of- you know, Boom, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and um, I'm kind of, so when we talked about Littlefinger's duel, uh, I think that was t- episode, an episode ago or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, made, um, I made the point to talk about how I wonder if Littlefinger was kind of caught up in the fantasy of like, I'm the underdog, I'm going to fight for the woman I love and I'm going to win. So I wonder, I wonder if in this moment, Littlefinger's kind of chuckling to himself. He's like, "I used to be just like you, Sansa, and yes. it's not, it's not that way."
2: Right.
1: Yeah, bad <sighs> and, things, good things don't happen in these stories. <laughs> like... No,
0: they don't. And uh, and God, I just want to say how creepy Littlefinger is right there. I mean, Ooh, I it know. talks, it, it talks about how he was like, like listening in on their conversation, and then he just kind of comes and he's like, "I'm just gonna run my hands all over your face." <laughs> I know. Oh.
1: I just, I just, I feel like I can't picture, San- I, I picture Sansa looking exactly like Catelyn, like almost like one of those like mirror, you know, like mommy daughters look exactly like kind of thing. And I just feel like, God, just let it go, Littlefinger. <laughs> like
0: just let it go. No, <laughs> like, I, I totally really agree. Do. He's, <laughs> yeah. No, pretty much. Littlefinger's definitely just doing this you know i couldn't get the 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 woman i love so i'll go for the next best thing her daughter Ooh, that's, ugh, ugh. yeah it's right. pretty nasty <laughs> so um let's see so so they talk about that whole thing and then um then we get i feel like this is a pretty smart observation in terms of, on sansa's part so they talk about um joffrey and the hunting party they they um they heard rumors of a white heart being in the forest across the river and that they're going to go find it um and ba- and just so everyone knows i didn't know what a white heart was so i had to google it and it's basically just a it's a white deer mm, a white stag and, a white stag yes and um basically jane, jane is all like oh my gosh do you think he's going to walk up to the deer and just touch it and that it'll like you know everything will be great and Sansa's like, no, that's not going to happen. He's totally going to kill that thing. And because um, she knows who Joffrey is. And I think this is a moment where sh- her realization of what life really is like is coming through right here. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Jane has the view that Sansa would have had without the what happened at the tourney. I think okay. she would have thought, oh, yeah, he's going to go up and touch the white heart and they're going to frolic into the woods. And, you know, or... Yeah, Jane like is that. still
2: in fantasy land
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah. jane's still in fantasy land and sansa's starting to break out of it um also so i googled to figure out i was like okay a white heart there's got to be something about this like i don't know i feel like it's like a mythical creature almost mm-hmm. in a sense and i looked up and there's multiple meanings as to what a white heart means in literature And one of them, I want to say it was Celtic, I I can't, I'm not going to confirm that, don't quote me, but it says, um, those who encounter the white stag, there were profound consequences for them encountering it or hunting it, Hmm. and um, it said that great spiritual change will trigger once this occurs, and great events um, will happen that will lead to the creation of new kingdoms and new nations. And that was like... I was like, whoa, that's big because... Well, the the thing is also, I think literally grim took this meaning flipped it on its head because all of these actually sound good it's like okay there's great spiritual change that'll occur a creation of of a new kingdom and it sounds like it's fresh and new and basically he was like okay the spiritual thing he's gonna die (laughs) yeah and because of his death new kingdoms will pop up and new kings will pop up but they're gonna be warring and trying to kill each other so that was a pretty cool found thing that i found that i was pretty happy about
2: yeah that was cool that's good good.
0: um let's see okay then um then sansa's kind of like hey do you want me to tell you what happened in court or are we going to talk about joffrey all day (laughs) and um and jane's like yeah sure go ahead and tell me about it so sansa talks about how a a night's watch member came to court who is yoren and he's like hey need some men for the wall no one volunteers and ned's like okay just go down to the dungeon and grab who you want and um, I don't know, I just, I was, I was kind of thinking about where Yoren's story kind of leads, because in this moment, Sansa's very like, oh, that Night's Watch member was so gross. Like, right. he, mm-hmm. he was greasy, he had lice on him, and then she has a very similar view to what Jon Snow had in terms of the Night's Watch. She was like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I thought they would all be like Benjamin. Be I thought that was interesting. Great heroes yeah right, yeah she, she has
2: this moment because she's never like you never get the idea that like Sansa has any like i don't know what i'm the word i'm looking for but she doesn't really have a lot of like fond well,
0: yeah yeah well, well,
2: but she has a moment where she's kind of like huh john what what he's doing what's this all worked out for him because if that's the reality then that
0: sucks <laughs> like, yeah he's She's like I feel kind of bad for him, I guess. I
2: Kind of bad for him. Anyway, yeah. what was well, yeah.
0: Well, well, just the other thing is like she doesn't have a con- the only connection she has to the Nights Watch is Benjen, who she doesn't right. see very often, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're like they're good friends or whatever. But it's also something that she she can't go be a member of the Nights Watch, so I, I feel like she's kind of just throwing up blinders to it, and it's just like, like it
2: doesn't apply to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: doesn't apply to me, so I don't have to think about it. Um. So that happens. Then it talks about um two men from the dorms Marches comes up and pledges fealty to ned which i which by the way i was like okay this is going to be a moment that we're going to go back to and be like oh my gosh those two guys that's these people oh my word and i i googled and i googled and yeah literally everyone was like yeah we don't know who it is (laughs)
2: because we got two more books yeah we got so
0: much more to go so i was like oh okay well maybe it'll pop up another time (laughs) um so uh, she relays what happened to court and jane's just kind of like hey you want to go get some cakes like i'm tired and i don't want to talk about this anymore (laughs)
1: boring
0: yeah (laughs) and and, i don't know i just like how sansa's like i don't like being interrupted but lemon cakes do sound really dang good
2: (laughs) i know it's funny because it's almost like we mentioned how jane is still in this like fantasy land where like Sansa is catching on to the reality. But it's like Jane is oblivious to it because she knows that her job is just to be Sansa's hype girl. She's just mm-hmm. like, let's go <laughs> get some cake. Your husband is awesome. Like, it's what about those so nights? Hot. Like, how about <laughs> Laura's Tyrell? Like, she's just there to be like her hype girl and like, let's go <laughs> get some strawberry pie. <laughs> yeah, Poor <pretty> Jane. Much. <laughs> she has no idea what's coming. Uh,
0: no, it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty terrible, actually. Um, let's see. Um, so, um, so they, they, so there's no lemon cakes, sadly. Um, there's no happiness because, because actually, just a fun fact: lemon or the color yellow is represented as happiness and like fond memories in this book, especially with Danny and Sansa. And it's like there are no lemon cakes, but there's strawberry pie. It's cold, but you can eat it. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, so they eat that. They go to bed. Sansa wakes up, and she. She watches Barrick Dondarian and a large chunk of Stark, of Stark household guards basically head out to go to go find the mountain. And I just want to say one negative point to Sansa: she's basically like, "Oh, there's Alan. Man, he's so much more handsomer than Jory was. He'll be a good knight." <laughs> I was just like, It's was you like, so shallow.
2: Shut. I know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> just like, so Don't shallow. About
2: Jory like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, for, no,
0: no, no." I don't know. If you, I don't know. I don't know if you can see it, but I drew three frowny faces right next to that. I was just like,
2: too soon, too soon. Yeah, it was a Sansa. little too soon.
0: Well, we also don't get any reaction to Jory's death through Sansa. Like, we don't see if she even cried about it. I'm sure she did.
2: Yeah, we have to think but that she still. did though, because in the tourney chapter, oh. she's like, well, it's not like it was Jory or father. Like she like almost put them on the same level. And so you have to think that she had like a super emotional reaction to it. Like she was fond of him or she wouldn't have grouped them together. So I'd like to think that she was. But she moved on pretty quickly with this whole Alan reference. Well, right. to With Jory,
1: she wouldn't have interacted with him quite as much because Arya was the tomboy. So she was always hanging around around those kind of people. Right. And the boys would hang out with him. But Sansa, you know, she was in sewing and learning songs and stuff like that. So she would have interacted with him, but not quite as much as the other kids, I don't think. So she probably uh- did have a <laughs> moment, but it wasn't, like, as devastating to her as the other children. I don't
0: right. think so. I agree. Great. Good point. Great point, Brooke. Um, okay. So they watch them head out and then Sansa heads down to go to breakfast. And I think this is, a, I think this is another moment that Sansa is a little more realizing how the world is because it's kind of silly, but she's, she's basically like, Hey, when they cut off the mountain's head, do you think they're going to bring his head back here or over to Beric Dondarrion's castle? <laughs> and, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a moment. She's like, yeah, she knows what happens. Like, you know, it's, it's not horrible, like they're going to, yeah, yeah she's, it's not like they're going to like throw, you know, throw a spear at the mountain. He's just kind of like disintegrate into like fairy right. dust or whatever. <laughs> she knows like, it's like, she, she's mm-hmm. like, I know that they're going to cut his head off, you know,
2: heads on spikes, heads on spikes. Yeah, pr-
0: <laughs> pretty much. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and then um, this is where we get a moment where, um, where Ari is basically le- <laughs> basically they're they're talking about the mountain and they're like yeah the mountain did all these terrible things so they're gonna go kill him and then Arya's like well jamie Lannister did terrible things the hound did terrible things why aren't (laughs) they dead and actually i want to ask you guys that uh i'm gonna ask you brooke because i feel like me and madison have been talking a ton (laughs) no that's
1: okay i felt like i didn't absorb as much from these chapters as you guys
0: did (laughs) no i'm just wondering like why why do you think jamie and the hound are alive even though they did these terrible things but the mountain was just like a hint of him doing something bad and they were like kill him
1: i i think it's just their closeness to the royal family honestly like sir you know the mountain he he is one of lord tywin's bannermen and everything but he's not he's not a king's guard yet and I think it's just in relative proximity to, you know, the Hound is Joffrey's, like, protector, carer, I guess. He's kind of like his right-hand man. And Jamie Lannister mm-hmm. is the Queen's brother. So I feel like they're just, if anybody's going to have the short end of the stick, it's going to be the Mountain in this situation. Because he's not the closest to the royal family.
0: Hmm. I like that. Yep. i you know no i i think that's pretty dang spot on the the only thing i would i would also add is also maybe maybe just the situation of when it occurred because when the hound killed micah there was a lot of contention going on and robert was actually it's robert both times if you think about it because robert's mm-hmm. basically like hey let's just, just settle it just kill the dog that's
2: what i was gonna Never say is that, yeah the difference is who's making the call True. Like if Robert had been there that day instead of Ned, he probably would have been like, listen, guys, let's just pretend this never happened and moved on with our lives. True. Like oh he geez. just seems like he takes the easy way out and he likes to brush things oh off. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> if this is the only difference, is that Ned was the man making the call versus Robert. So you have to say, if if Ned was the one making the call with Jamie or Sandor, it probably would have been different. So mm-hmm. it's just the only difference I can tell is who's making the call.
0: I just so I, just a side note. I want to say the two two big things that have changed while I've read this these books with you guys. One, I like Sansa way more, and two, <laughs> Ro- I hate Robert more. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, <sighs> oh I mean, he was so likable on the show, yes, and that really does give you like it gives him like well, you know, he's so likable. But when like you read oh when you, when you only read the text, he's just, he doesn't have a lot of redeemable qualities, right? No, he
0: doesn't. It's just, it's so Unfortunately, tough. Unfortunately,
2: I want to love that old, that old jovial fatty. I want to love him. Well, but we well, but well, just
0: because I think because <laughs> literally what just happened to me, like this moment I had was <laughs> my thought was like, okay. Robert's in such a crappy situation that I feel bad for him. He he wants to sweep some things under the rug just because he doesn't want contention. He doesn't want this this war to occur which is literally probably what i would do because i'm a very i'm Mm -hmm. a very i don't want contention in my life i avoid it at all costs so i was like i kind of sympathize with you but the moment i just had was okay this is a repeated thing like Robert's do like he's he repeats the same thing he protected the hound so there wasn't any contention even though he did something terrible he's now protecting jamie even though he did something terrible and he just Mm -hmm. doesn't want contention and so in my mind i'm like dude if you're repeating this many times sorry you just lost my right. sympathy That's
2: right true oh. unfortunate
0: i'm having a spiritual moment here guys <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay
0: so um so yeah, great answers brooke and you, you too madison that was, that was a good discussion right there i like that so um then basically um let's see what's happened Um, then Sansa's like it's not the same the hound is Joffrey's sworn shield your your butcher's boy attacked the prince liar she clenched a blood orange so hard that the red juice oozed between her fingers and um, then Sansa's basically like oh yeah well, when I'm queen you're gonna have to call me Grace and you're just gonna have to deal with it and then Arya chucks the orange and is like, you have juice on your face, you grease. I was like,
2: it makes me think of that SpongeBob meme when he's like, you grease like Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's,
0: that's perfect. Um, but
2: this this is twice in one chapter where Sansa has lied. So mm. she she said it was a dream, but she was like, Really? It was just a thought I oh, had. Yes. But it was oh, like yeah. it was a better oh, story if I yeah. said it was a dream.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, when she's discussing the whole Joffrey and the Heart thing. Yeah, she she's was like yeah, she even yeah. she even
2: says in her mind, she's like, honestly, it was just a thought I had. It was a story I made up. But it sounded way cooler when I said it was a dream.
0: Well, and I think she yeah. sorry sorry to interrupt, but I think she also oh, mentions in. that she's like she also mentions that dreams are prophetic. So mm-hmm. I think she was like, I'm going to say it's a dream so that she thinks it's going to truly happen because right. that's what dreams are. They're prophetic things and it sounds better. Anyways, continue.
2: Arya knows the truth and Arya knows that Sansa knows the truth. Sansa knows the truth. Sansa mm-hmm. knows that Arya knows that Sansa knows the truth. <laughs> right. Yet she's still, like, they're not in front of a court, they're not in front of the right. king, they're not and in front of their lies. dad, yet she still decides to lie about it. And mm-hmm. it's just like, this is her already figuring out how to be calculating.
0: Mm-hmm. Which,
2: I, you know. I agree.
0: Good one. No, no, on the nose. I really like that. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Good job. Like,
2: <laughs> she, she talks about how she wishes it had been Aria that died instead of Lady, and I'm like, that is cold. That's ruthless. Like, like, yeah. like let's not just, let's, like, let's not joke around about it. like That's kind of disturbing. It is. Like, I, oh, I, I don't know. I feel like... Had
0: I feel like we can kind of chalk that up to that middle school kind of. True. Brain. But 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 that but no, I do agree. That is kind of, it's one of those, like, she says it, and hopefully later she realizes, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said that. Okay, like, not terrible. really.
2: I know. I'm sure maybe when I was 12, I thought something like that. Or when my brother was 12, he was probably like, oh, my sister gets run over by a car. Like, it's not yeah. like he really thought that, but he probably mm-hmm. thought it, you know? <laughs> No, I agree. <laughs> and um
0: <laughs> so um so so that happens, she throws the orange and then Sansa gets really angry and Septa Mord- M- Mordain is like, "Hey, go to your room." And this actually I went back a page and it was just I don't know, it was just kind of a funny little connection. It says um let's see. Um she knew her father was still angry about that, but it wasn't fair to blame Joff. That would be like blaming her for something that Arya had done. So, hmm. you know, Arya does something, Sansa gets in trouble. And I think that literally happens right here. Arya chucks the orange, and Sansa is the one who has to go to her room. I'm sure Arya got in trouble too, but from Sansa's perspective, right. she's He's like, why am I, I just... here? Yeah, Why am I getting right. in trouble? Why was I sent to my room when I'm the one who got hurt? So, I don't know. That was just a little little yeah. connection I had right there.
2: I, I read something that was kind of interesting, and it's funny because I had the same thought, but then somebody else said it. Um when she gets the orange on her dress and she's like literally like, no, 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 no. This can't be happening. Like we, as readers, we're like, why is she overreacting about an orange on a dress? Like she must have so Mm -hmm. many dresses. But she reacts very similarly when she starts her period because she Mm -hmm. knows that Mm -hmm. this means like, I'm about to get married. I'm about to have babies with Joffrey. No, 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 no. And then the writer also pointed out that it's probably symbolism too for her realizing that things will happen to you that are beyond your control, that will stain you and change you forever. So like, again, we don't know what happens to her character throughout these books, but she's learning early on that sometimes you're a victim, but like that's going to change your path and it's up to you how you let it steer you. So anyway, I know mm-hmm. it's just a little bit with the orange on a dress, but it's funny because at first you're like, why does she care so much? But then you're like, honestly, it's kind of pointing to some things that are probably staining her future.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely went there too. Cause it wasn't, it, it wasn't just the dress. Like when she saw on her slip underneath her dress, that was right. when she really freaked out. And I, I went there too. I was like all oh, that that sounds exactly
0: like what she said mm. her period. So yes. Well, so, well, even, even the same thing happens where Sansa, she throws the dress in, on top of the fire and that, that this, mm-hmm. she tries to do the same thing in, I think it's, yeah. I think it's in a clash of Kings where it occurs where she basically tries to put her bedding and burn it as well. So <laughs> that, there's a, yeah, there's a great connection there. I really, yeah, I read, I was about to say the exact same thing. You beat, you beat me to it. And <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just, I, I really like that part. Um, let's see so that happens. she cries herself to sleep which i'm sure we've all done <laughs> so we can, we can have a little medical. sympathy. <laughs> yeah right um let's see and then um sansa has a dream where um well she kind of wakes up from a dream and she's kind of like lady like are you there and she thinks her direwolf is there for a moment and um so i think i think this la- this sentence in the dream actually emphasizes what she's going through right now it says um she had been dreaming. She realized Lady was with her and they were running together and, and trying to remember was like trying to catch the rain with her fingers. Um, I think that's basically what's happening in terms of her fantasy that she has. She's it's like slip away. Yeah. All these things are occurring that are breaking my view on life. And she's trying to hold on to it so desperately, yeah. you know, with the, with, with the outburst late uh, at the end of this chapter about Joffrey, with her saying those things to Arya, And, you know, like, she's trying to hold on to it so tight, but it's just slipping through her fingers.
2: And it's also a good reminder of how connected the Starks are to their direwolves. Um, Because, like, we've all had a dog die, (laughs) and, like, you're sad. But, like, like she never gets over Lady's death. And, like, she constantly remembers Lady and refers to Lady, and things remind her of Lady. It's just a good reminder that it's not just a pet. It's not just a dog Mm -hmm. they had. Like, this is something that they will forever be connected to, bonded Mm -hmm. with. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. This is a good
2: reminder that it's just more than a pet.
0: No, most definitely. I I I like how we are reminded of that because I want to say, in the thing is so. um, What am I trying to say? So um, we don't really get. We kind of get Sansa's reaction to the death of Lady in in Ned's chapter, where Ned's like, you know, she spent stayed up all night crying about it, and you know, things like that. But when we get to Sansa two, which is during the tourney she doesn't really as far as i remember she doesn't bring up lady at all like we don't Mm -hmm. get this mention of her being sad that it occurred so i remember my first read through i was like really sansa you can't like shed a tear or like you know of course because i skipped over that part in ned where it it talks about that so i was like what the heck and then you get to this and it's like okay this did make an impact on her Mm -hmm. like she didn't you know she she had the wolf long enough that it made an impact even though the lady died so early in the story it's still gonna you -hmm. know be a recurring thing throughout the books so um, she wakes up and Ned and, uh, and Arya and Sansa have been summoned to Ned's uh, room. They sit down and talk. And I was actually shocked by this where, um, what is it? Um, da, da, da. Basically, our Arya is actually really like, remorseful for what happened. Um, she, which is fine, because at first I didn't think she was. It says, uh, Arya raised her eyes. I'm sorry, father. I was wrong and I beg my sweet sister's forgiveness. When I read that, I was like, okay, she's being kind of snarky.
2: I'm like, but what's then, her motivation? Um, yeah, <laughs> right? I was like,
0: well I was like, what's going on here? And then Sansa Sansa was so startled that for a moment she was speechless. And I was like, Oh, like Sansa's Arya's actually remorseful for what she did. Which I was like, that's it's kind of a nice little touch. Like aria is not just this like i'm a tomboy and i'm i'm gonna be a dick to you because i'm yeah. you know i I can beat you up more than you can Serious she's like look. Yeah. She's, yeah she's like look like i did something stupid and i'm really sorry about it and i was like
2: See, i took it next. for you are i took it a little mm-hmm. bit
1: different i felt like because it led with the line where um ned's like enough sansa i felt it was like Oh, well, Arya's finally realized that Ned has hit his point with all of this <laughs> nonsense, and she's just like, "I'm just gonna apologize and get it done." No,
2: yeah,
0: I'm just gonna <laughs> swoop in and make good. <laughs> that... my dad. <laughs> okay, that 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 is a possibility Sorry, for man. sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, may, maybe uh, maybe you know, Arya's like oh yeah no sansa's like what do i dress maybe i could maybe i could wash it i guess and then sansa <laughs> just kind of goes up she's like you can't it's ruined everything's terrible and i hate everything
2: um <laughs> those middle school hormones are terrible it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible
0: it's terrible so that occurs and then ned ned then um ned then tells them like hey we're gonna head back to winterfell And it's not because of something you did. It's because of the situation we're in. Like we're in a very dangerous place and I need to send you back home for protection. And, um, um, so Arya, all Aria can really think of is like, Hey, can we bring Sarah for all back with us? Right. (laughs) Which I'm like, like that totally makes sense. Like that's her passion. That's what, you know, what she loves about being in King's landing is that she's getting trained to fight. And even in the end, Ned's like, well, we'll check. Like, why not? Like, we can ask him, I guess. And I was like, yeah. okay, It works. But Sansa, I think this is the, this is the big moment where she, where things are slipping. You know, basically her whole life is ruined in her mind right now. Um, yeah. You know, she goes on to, what is it? Yeah, she's thinking like, oh my gosh, like everything's going to be gone. The tournaments, This. Uh, it, it even says, um, the tournament had been the most magical time. The feast, the masked balls, the mummer shows, all this great stuff. And then uh, then we get the great line of um, where it says, Father, I only just remem- now remembered. I can't go away. I'm to marry Prince Joffrey. I love him, yeah. Father. I truly, truly oh. do. I love him as How much as I Queen forget. Neris and, um, and Prince Aime and the Dragonite as much as Jonquil loves Serphorian. I want to be his queen and have his babies. <laughs> ah, You're like, which gross. I, I, I will say, give Sophie Turner an Emmy for that line in the show because she did it really well.
2: She did. She mm-hmm. delivered that really well. Now, she was okay.
0: a little kid. So so right there, she's freaking out. Everything's falling apart. And then we get this really good line. It says, um, Ned says, Sweet one, listen to me. When you're old enough, I will make you a match with the High Lord who's worthy of you. Um, someone brave and gentle and strong. This match with Joffrey it was a terrible mistake. That that boy is no Prince Eamon. You must believe me. And Sansa says, He is. I don't want someone brave and gentle. I want him.
2: So I think he admits like he's terrible yeah. that he's gonna be king.
0: Well, I think that's kind of a really teenager-y thing to yeah, do. It it's is. it's like um, I don't know, it's like um I don't know, it's like with kids when they're like, I want I want the the goldfish, I want the goldfish. And you give them the goldfish, and like, why did you give me the goldfish? Like, yeah. what is this? You know, like I feel yeah. like it's kind of that same sort of mentality. She's like, look, I know he's terrible, but I want him because she, yeah.
2: it's like fi- if she had had a moment to think about what she said she would have been like uh, I kind of put my foot in my mouth there mm-hmm. but, yeah. you know, she's like, I don't want someone brave and gentle I want someone Well, I just want him you know?
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. well, well also the thing is like I kind of view it as like her betrothal to Joffrey is like the door that's going to lead to her, at least in her mind, is the door that's going to lead to this life that she's fantasizing about. Mm-hmm. And Ned just locked it and threw away the key basically in her mind. Right. And she's, yeah. like, I, she's like, I don't care what kind of person Joffrey is, but I have to marry him in order to go through the door. And
2: right. It's almost yeah, like you know, a Marjorie Tyrell moment where she was like, I don't want a great life. I want to be queen. Where she's like, I don't want to be mm-hmm. a queen. I want to be the, the queen. queen she's like I know you can marry me off to a high lord and I can still go to tournaments but like you're taking away being queen from me right
0: <laughs> pretty much um let's see and then we get then we get the infamous line that honestly changes a huge uh, Ned's decisions basically um, um aria's says so, so something like uh, not if jo- joffrey's his father he's a liar and a craven anyhow he's a stag not a lion. Then Sansa says, "He is not. He's not not the least bit like that old drunken king." And then Ned's what a just like,
2: "Light bulb moment."
0: <laughs> yeah, Ned. Ned
2: yeah, I I said light bulb moment.
0: Yeah, <laughs> light bulb is. out of the mouths of babes. And then he's basically like, "All right, you two, go to your rooms. Don't talk to anyone, especially you, Sansa. Don't go telling Cersei my plans or anything. True. Just go to your room and." <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of sends them out and then um and then Sansa pulls another bad moment and she's all like Hodor or, or you know Arya is like look we're going to go on a ship it's going to be an adventure we'll get to see Hodor and all these great people again and Sansa says um Hodor you ought to marry Hodor you're just like him stupid and hairy and ugly and was like man you're Ouch. just you're you're you're, you're 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 taking swings at all the fan favorite characters it's, just, <laughs> it's rude well anyways yeah so that's that's basically that whole chapter and it's 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 grown to be one of my favorites to be honest like i really like sansa i love sansa 2 for the tournament Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. this one i was just like i don't know it's just it's just really shocking to me that i'm enjoying these chapters so much when i used to not like them at all so
2: there's good stuff in there
0: there is there very much is
1: feels realistic like you can imagine yourself being in a fight with your little sister you can imagine you know what i mean like it just felt very real compared to reading a story
0: most definitely okay um do you guys have any last thoughts about the chapter before we head out Um, i don't i don't think
2: so i i just i feel for a little Little middle, middle schooler Sansa. And I, I do say, like, every time I read that chapter, I, I think between reading it the first time and then reading it a couple months ago and then rereading it today, I was like, every time I read that light bulb moment, I'm like, God, oh, finally, Ned realizes what we all knew for a long time now.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, so, well, if that's it, um, so... That, that We're all wrapped up. We've discussed those three chapters. Just as a note, next week we're going to be discussing the next three chapters in A Game of Thrones, and those will be chapters 45, 46, and 47. The first one is Eddard 12, and this is where Ned goes to Cersei and talks to her about his plans, oh. which is really, really tough to read sometimes. I um, already then after the-
2: am frustrated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then um, Danny 5, this is the chapter where she eats the heart in in a ceremony basically. And then I think this is where Viserys dies.
1: Good stuff.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's when this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the chapter of Viserys dies. And then Mm -hmm. chapter 47 is at our 13. And this is where Robert dies. And, and and Danny Ned.
2: Ned.
0: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So it's, yeah, it's going to go Ned, Danny and Ned. And those are some pretty hard hitting ones guys. So if you guys are reading along with us, Get on it, because we're gonna have a really good discussion next week for those three chapters. Um, that's all I have for the night, guys. I'm gonna go get a drink of water because I forgot to bring water. <laughs> that's a that's I a great. Yeah, right.
2: Little, my little Funko Pop, say bye, John. Oh. <laughs> uh,
0: is it a bobble? Maybe, is it a? Is it a bobble? It's not a
2: bobblehead. It's not. A bobble. uh, it looks it's like some it of them. Like some of them are. Like here's Deadpool, and he bobbles. <laughs>
0: That's so cool. But but
2: John doesn't bubble, but he has long claw and he even has like a little little wolf's head on it. He's pretty cute. <laughs> He's got his man bun. I just think they so cute. <laughs>
0: that that man bun.
2: <laughs> I know
1: these results did not turn out very well.
2: All right. I know. Final... I gotta go check.
0: <laughs> the Emmys. Kid didn't
1: win, Amelia didn't win, Gwen <gasps> didn't
0: win. <gasps> yeah. No way. Oh, no. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go cry over that. Well, um, okay, wait, quick, la- last question of the night. Um, did you like Jon Snow's man bun just straight up? Uh, yeah,
2: out?
0: yeah, Brooke, no, no
2: I'm for the sure. Person, but on him, it worked. Yeah. I like the fact that he always did it half up, half down. It worked. I was yep. feeling it. Yes, yeah, see, I like the Jon Snow man bun. <laughs>
0: all right guys well i will see you guys next week
2: bye guys
0: it was a good discussion guys we'll see you